on the road. Let's get the show on the road. Hello. Hey there. Hey. Trevor, you need to say something to announce your presence. Is the is the show on the road? Yeah. Some some could say that the show is indeed on the road. I've at, at least hit the record button, so uh, we what are. What if for episode 150 live. we aren't close? What if it's a bad season to visit Glacier National Park? Um, well, well, we've got our second option, which is making peach cobbler. Okay, cool. Or we might just have to time our episodes and really cram a bunch in. Yeah, we got to <laughs> set up like a like a multi year schedule to make sure yeah. we're we're good there. But well, hey guys, I can work on that in the off season. We got a lot of. We're gonna have a lot of time. Yeah. Start on it next week. You guys excited for the World Cup? You guys watched those men's national team games? They were looking good. They were. I haven't. No, I haven't looked, watched a men's national they team so game bad. in several months. No, that's good. And so I was like, "Yeah, we got a pretty good chance. We're doing. We got a good team. We're gonna do good." And then yeah. I started like paying attention to the narrative after the last two games, and I was like, "Oh, we're actually not that good." Yeah. Um. Yeah. Specifically, without uh, Tim Weah, Eunice Musa, Miles Robinson, and Jedi Robinson. Yeah. Oh. I have kind of adjusted my expectations. I've set my expectations for the World Cup to just be like happy to be there because we weren't there four years ago. So like. Is that down from winning the whole thing? How much better down from like round of 16, I think. How much better is it to make the World Cup and lose every game than it is to not make the World Cup? I mean, on good question in a vacuum. I think it's still better to make the World Cup. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> much better, though, to just go there and lose every game, especially if you're in CONCACAF, where all these teams kind of suck. Like, I think if Con- Con- CONCACAF might just get, like, washed, which would be kind of crazy. But Yeah, I mean, not to get into the soccer talk too early, but uh, when your starting left back for Costa Rica can go a year without playing for his club team and still be, a like, a international regular (laughs) that's maybe a sign that uh one of the better teams in the confederation is uh not that competitive yeah everyone on costa rica is like 35 at the youngest so yeah except for joel campbell or is he actually 35 now oh he's arsenal legend joel campbell arsenal legend joel campbell uh he is 30 Okay. He's, he's been around for so long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we don't need to. I, I, it's, if it's seriously been so long since we've recorded, it feels like it's been so long since we've recorded last. I don't remember. We didn't record last week. So, right. It was the week, it was the week prior, correct? Correct. Yeah. Before the Atlas game. Okay. Before the Atlas game. So we recorded probably like a Wednesday or yeah. Tuesday or Wednesday of that week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, so there was the was Atlas game. That was whole two funny. weeks ago, wasn't it? It was a little under two weeks ago. It was if we do. It was either two weeks ago or one day shy um, of two weeks, guys. I feel like I I've changed so much <laughs> since I've seen you guys last. I've experienced <laughs> I experienced all all the life has to offer. Just kidding, yeah. but I feel like I've I feel like I've done a lot since I saw you guys last. I kind of feel the same, and I think it's for very similar, but. Obviously, different reasons. Yeah, I it was. Don't feel the same. I I don't. It feels like I'm trapped in a time bubble here. 
by by different i mean just different cities like we both left for several days yeah that's true yeah you yeah yeah i mean even before that so like i well i guess i can just start start us off hey kyle uh what you would you you do over the past two weeks (laughs) well during what would you do with your international break i guess is the question i um Okay, so first, I the, uh, the day of that Atlas game, uh, which I think was like that Wednesday or like a Thursday or whatever it was. Thursday, yeah. Um, I had, was going up to, I made another jaunt up to Wyoming and Idaho for a little, uh, little last hurrah, probably for the season. Up there it was in Grand Teton National Park and uh, was in Jackson quite a bit and found this amazing uh restaurant that mm. is in the old Jackson uh playhouse it's the oldest building in Jackson and the family that owns the playhouse they do shows there but they also do dinner shows and they also do like breakfast as well and brunch and that restaurant is called Colt Cultivate Cafe and it's in Jackson Wyoming they have um everything is gluten free everything like they're very uh they're very uh, tuned into like my exact diet. And um, so I had the most spectacular uh, gluten-free waffle, chicken, fried chicken and waffles, oh. which is a meal that I have, uh, I, I seldom get to enjoy. Yeah. And it was incredibly good fried chicken. Um, I My non-gluten-free friends I was with and sibling uh, vouched for it as well. They... Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. So we actually we went we went there twi- uh, two days in a row. It was just that good. Very. So if you're in Jackson, I would recommend anyone go there. But if uh, you also are on on my diet, it's very uh, very accommodating. <clears throat> but yeah, just had a lovely weekend there. Uh, that was that that was great. Um, my sister, her uh, her husband. It was his birthday recently and his mom and grandmother flew in from Canada to come have like a little family barbecue over at my parents' house, um, which was great. Yeah, uh, having so lived got, that experience, it is yeah. a great time. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was very similar to that. We didn't record an outside pod with the family, but uh, it was it was a joyous occasion. Um, and then uh, through the rest of that week, it was um, a little we had we had some ups and downs. My my sweet dear loving perfect grandmother passed away that week which was uh difficult and hard and but it was um uh it's uh, it was her time to go so um we're happy that she was able to graduate earth as my as my family likes to say so yeah, yeah not not super fun but um you know it's it's part of uh it's part of the agreement we all made when we why <laughs> stepped upon the earth or whatever yeah i mean um, yeah yeah not 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 the best but I, she was a very lovely woman i did talk to her on sunday the sunday prior she was asking me about rsl and oh, we okay. talked about well she was asking about venezuela as well because my uh brother-in-law he's uh his grandma was born in venezuela or lived in venezuela for a while and so we talked about the Venezuelan influence of uh, on RSL, and so she learned who Jefferson Saverino and Sergio Cordova were on that on that Sunday. But yeah, so that was that was that week, um, and then um, I had plans 
uh, on Thursday to fly up to Seattle. And we were, the plan was to meet up with a couple from here that we're friends with and then um, spend the rest of the trip uh, after they went home uh, with my other grand other grandparents that live up there. Hmm. So it was kind of for, uh, kind of ironic timing a little bit. It was kind of a tough decision to decide to leave, um, but it felt like it was an important thing to do to go spend time with my other grandparents up there. Um, yeah. So we did do that. We we went to Seattle. We stayed um, for the first few days. We stayed in Capitol Hill um, in the autonomous zone, as it were. <laughs> Um, had more fried chicken. Interestingly, I went to Bakabak in Capitol Hill and they have, it's a Korean fried chicken. It's very, very good. Yeah. It's on my um, list for a little less than a month from now. Yeah. It's, it was, it was, oh, you have to get the, uh, the honey, uh, some, it's some type of honey sauce. It's, it's star anise and honey. Oh, that's um, great. And it was, it's very, very good. Uh, yeah. that was, that was delicious. And their fries and their tater tots, very good. Um, very filling meal. Um, but yeah, spent, spent time in, in Capitol Hill, which was great. A very pretty neighborhood. Very fun to walk around. Lots of good restaurants and coffee, et cetera. It was, it was, it was great. Then we went to a Mariners game. Uh, and the same weekend where they, they won the games to, go, to, to break their curse of not being in the playoffs for 21 years. The longest playoff drought of any professional sports team. So they made the playoffs, which was exciting for everyone, uh, which I... I mean, I have a Mariners hat, so it's a big, big deal for me as well. Um, so I wore that, and I looked, I looked very, I looked like a local. Yeah, congratulations um, on the uh, on the playoff the achievements. Thing. Yeah, so I, um, so yeah, we went to the game, and then, uh, and then the friends that we were there with left, and then uh, we went over to uh, Vashon Island, where my grandparents live, and had a very, very different experience than being like right in the middle of, of the city, uh, in the hustle and bustle as it were. And we were, um, at their, their house on, on Vashon Island and it was beautiful and so fun and so relaxing and hung out with my grandparents' dog. His name is Joey. He's kind of a spaz. Um, but we love him and we just ate good food, hung out and just had a, had a, had a blast. And I, uh, the weather the whole time I was in Seattle was was very lovely. It was very sunny and uh, not too hot, but just like very, very nice early fall weather. And then today, as we were leaving this morning, woke up to the classic Washington fog and then took the ferry back over to the the mainland and flew home. And then as soon as we got home, uh, went and saw we're home for like 20 minutes and saw went and saw Smile, <laughs> the, the horror movie. So um how was it? It was good. I really, I really enjoyed it. And while, uh, as we sat down, um, we were there for a little while and this, uh, a couple of our friends, a couple, two couples, friends of ours walked in just, uh, we didn't know they were going to be there. They didn't know we were going to be there. One of the couples was the ones we were in Seattle with. So that was a nice little surprise. We got to see them again. And, um, that was great. Uh, okay. But here's the thing. Here, here's, here's the thing guys. So say you're in a movie theater and uh, you are making the decision to not be considerate of other people around you and you're talking at like kind of like a weirdly audible level and people have been shushing you for like like anywhere from 15 to 25 times within the first like half an hour of the movie. Uh, why why would you continue to, to talk? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like what needs to happen? Do you like 
do, do I do we have to there's have to be like a confrontation? Do I have to go grab a teenager that works at the movie theater to come tell you because he's got the authority with the badge that says his name or like I I don't I'm trying to understand the mindset of somebody who's just like, oh, no, I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a different mindset, right? Yeah, I was going to um, say it's just a person that just doesn't care. Like if you yeah. show somebody like three times and they still do it like they don't care. Yeah. And I was like, it, it's not like a 15 to 20 is the threshold. It's like three. If yeah. you do it three times after yeah. that, then you've got to start escalating if you want anything done like, about it. It's coming from like different people around them. So this is this this hypothetical you could probably guess isn't so hypothetical because was it this you was, talking the whole time. <laughs> and it was me. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> no, these people in front of us, they were just like would not shut up. And it was they and they showed up late also, and like oh. they were talking loudly as they walked into the little hallway into the movie theater. And they they are lucky that the movie was in XD because it's a very loud speaker system they've got over there. But I, um, yeah, it was fascinating because I was like, there, everyone around you is shushing you. There was a couple to their right that I appeared to have just left the movie altogether at some point. And I don't know if that was because they didn't, didn't enjoy the film. They might have thought it was too scary or it was because these people were being loud. And I... Um, you know, I, it's just weird. I know, like, there are those theaters, uh, like... Uh, what's the what's the one in um, tech in Austin that they have another oh Alamo Draft House oh yeah, yeah yeah they like they're like a heavy snitch theater like ever and if you like say anything they kick you out <laughs> which I mean sounds kind of nice sometimes but I was just like the, you're being you're being weird so uh, Carly and I moved to a different spot in the theater and then it was it was quiet and, and good oh that's um, good but I was just like everyone's telling you to be quiet and he's just being just an absolute goofus just they, like talk. so they get shushed and what's their response to being shushed nothing. is it like they, oh hey, no, sorry no guys, sorry sorry nothing or was it just they, straight like, up ignoring everybody it seemed like they were just completely ignoring everybody and there were there were four of them two guys two girls and it seemed like the two guys who so it was guy girl girl guy i think and the guys were kind of like talking over the two girls to each <laughs> other and I was like, I hope this is like a first date or something or like an early date for all of you. And this is just this is the end of it because you guys yeah. are being insane. Like it's not I just I, yeah, I was I was very I was very surprised. And I sometimes I um, I just hate it. I feel so rude. I hate that they make me feel rude for telling people to be be quiet. But I was like, all right, I don't I don't know. And then I'm always worried like, oh, am I going to like is this going to turn into like a thing? And then some guy is going to shoot me in this movie theater. I don't know. So that didn't happen. Uh, but we moved and it was good. Good movie. Uh, pretty spooky, actually. Uh, mm. It was it was pretty enjoyable for for like a jump scare heavy movie. Yeah, it's on the the better end of those. Oh, I, one one last thing I have to mention. So this whole this. Uh, there was a whole thing over the summer where I so I, I take a lot of photos, everyone. Uh, people, really lovely. People, Thank, Big thank photo you. Guy. That's very, that's very kind. I um, was, I've always been like a DSLR guy. I have like a big Canon DSLR. I've got big lenses that I carry around and do stuff with, which, which is, which is fine. Um, but I used to use a Fuji X100F, which was a very, it was a camera I loved using. It's very fun to shoot. And for some reason I fell out of love with it for a little while. And then beginning of this summer, I popped it back out and I was like, man, this thing is sweet. Loved it. And then a very uh, unfortunate thing happened where um, 
yeah, I got seawater in it because I was being risky and the camera broke because I was being reckless with it. So I was like, okay, that's a bummer. I'll get a new camera. There's a new version of it. It's the Fuji X100V. And I think maybe I'll just, uh, I'll get that one. Turns out it's really hard to get. And there's like, uh, people are reselling them on eBay for about seven to $800 more than, than the retail price. You can't buy it from Fuji direct. So what I essentially what I ended up doing is getting on the waiting list at a few different places, one of which was PictureLine. PictureLine uh, called me the Tuesday before I went to Seattle and said they had one in stock and they were ready to sell it to me. And I was like, yippity doodah, this is great. So I went and picked it up, got it, took us to Seattle. Absolutely loved it. I like it. It's so much more fun for me to take photos with like a smaller. It, it, so the, comparing it to my other camera, it's way smaller. It's a handheld like uh, s- s- uh, fixed lens, 35 millimeter equivalent on a crop sensor. And it is so fun to shoot with. I like could not. I've taken so many photos and uh, yeah, it just is. Uh, it's such a blast. And so anyone that's uh, I mean, you'll have to wait a few months, but I can't recommend that camera enough. Mm. Also. For you two who, who, if you saw my Instagram stories and saw what the stuff I was posting on there, um, every single one of those photos was not edited at all outside of my camera. They, I shot all of those with like, they have, um, like film simulation presets built into the camera oh, and you can alter them. There's a site called Fuji X weekly and they give you like little recipes and like different ways you can emulate certain looks. And so I just turned that on created some recipes using that and uh it was fantastic like it was so fun it was it's just so fun to take those photos and i could not be happier that i got it right before i went to seattle and it was great and i loved it so much anyway so i've been talking forever but yeah i've had a very that's what i did with my international break i felt like i was very productive did a lot i did catch the rsl game on saturday uh on my computer <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, i'm sorry no, it's fine. We were we had a very long day, so we were relaxing and watching college football and some other stuff. And I was like, I'm going to turn on the RSL game and see how this goes. And it went. But uh, anyway, Trevor, what did what have you been doing? Because I know you went out of town as well. I did. But since we're on the topic, um, sure. I was going to – I mean, I'm glad you talked about it because I was going to ask you about those photos that you were taking. Yes. That I saw on your Instagram stories. Um, so that's – you say it's not filters and well i know this is it's filters it's not i didn't edit them okay so this is a genuine question yes so it's i understand that like cameras have capabilities and Mm -hmm. then there's like after effects like editing and stuff um that you can do after you take pictures um the camera is that like preset like filters and stuff that you're able to just I don't know camera terms, but like you mess with like the aperture and the like UV so filter and like that it's, kind of it's, stuff. It's not, it's not, so it's not any of your uh, light capturing uh, settings. So it's not your aperture. It's not your shutter speed. It's not your ISO. It's essential. What it is, here's the camera right here, actually. So what it does change is uh, noise reduction, the tone of your highlights in the photo. It changes the tone of the shadows in your photo. It changes. Uh, there are color settings in the camera, and so it's looking for a certain. Um, it's looking for uh, the way it renders uh, colors in, in in certain situations. So it's a bunch of different color settings more than anything else. Okay. Um, 
yeah, the white balance also is, is a big piece of that. But yeah, so it's not any of the actual um, like mechanics of how the photo is taken. But it, essentially what my camera does, the way I have it set is it takes a raw image and it takes a JPEG image uh, with every photo. The raw photo is something that if I wanted to edit in my on my computer, I'd pull it into Adobe Lightroom and I would use some of like the color filters and presets or whatever that I use there. But the far more like fun one, and that's a whole like workflow thing that is tedious. And I, it takes me forever to go through photos. Like I'm still going through photos that I took in Glacier National Park in August, mm-hmm. uh, cause I have so many and it's taken me so long and I've got just a, a bunch of other photos too. So that whole thing takes me so long. But what I was loving so much about this camera is I was producing photos, these JPEGs that are running through this like post processor in the camera. I was loving the look of those so much that I was like, I don't even feel like I need to like edit any of these. Like I'm very happy with the finished product. So like I, whenever I go on like a trip like that or do take a bunch of photos on like a day or whatever, I make a Google photos album and put all the photos in it. And I'm just going to put up like all those JPEGs right in there and probably not touch anything in, in Lightroom. I'll save the raw files in case I ever want to come back or revisit or maybe get a big print or something. But I, yeah, I just couldn't believe uh, how well those were turning out. So um, huge fan of, uh, of Fuji and I can't, it's just like so much more fun to take pictures with this little guy who I can put in a, my, I have like a short, a small shoulder bag that I just put in there. Cause I don't want my camera just out and about. Um, it's crazy that I, I can just put it in there and take it literally everywhere with me. And it's so fun to take everywhere with me. And so I have a bazillion photos, uh, from this trip and it was, it's, it's been a blast. So I'm looking forward to continuing using that little guy, but okay. So anyway, that was maybe, a long maybe, answer. No, that's that's <laughs> great. Maybe another stupid question sure. that's not a good photo. I mean, I like taking pictures, but I'm not good yes. at it. I feel like um, the the like post processing that the camera does is it basically just like presets to edits that like you could do the same editing yeah. in Lightroom or something later. Mm-hmm. The camera just does it for you and just yeah. makes the raw takes the raw image and then just puts those edits into the picture creates a jpeg from it and yeah. just gets you your edited picture it's amazing how quickly air quotes there because i know it's not actually but it kind of is right sure no yeah it totally is it's okay. got it's it's made like raw files in general are, are pretty uh um they're pretty bl- they're they can be very bland because it strips a lot of like it, it doesn't do anything to the photos like there are certain color profiles that are applied when you take just like a jpeg from it but if you have a raw f- file it almost require it does require you to do something with it if you want it to look like better. Um, yeah. Okay. But the thing, so essentially, it's doing that. Yeah, it does that for you real quick. And uh, you know, there are some that like maybe aren't perfect, but the fact that I don't even have to like actually do anything on it is is kind of amazing to me. I'm just like very happy with with how they look, and um, yeah, pretty cool technology. Because this is the thing that's that bugs me most about photos is like. I can see like a nice sunset or a good, like whatever view, you know, something I want to take a picture of some, something in nature. And I take a picture of it and I go, Oh, that's not a bad picture. But then I see other people take pictures of it or post pictures, I should say. And it's just always like way better. And I imagine (laughs) it's just because like, I don't do any editing. I don't really know how to do any of the editing stuff. I don't have the software. I don't really, I feel like anytime I get in and like mess with colors or filters or like, stuff like that i just end up messing up the picture because I, sure. I don't know what i'm doing 
So I, that's what I meant to ask you was because all of those pictures were fantastic and they Thank looked you. great. And I wasn't sure if it was like edited photos or you're just way better at this than me. I mean, it, you, it, know, like, you gotta like get, I mean, I, or, or if it was just color, like a gear issue. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it's all those things. Like they all play, the they all play word, a part but, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, as long as you like with this type of thing, like the hardest thing for is just getting the lighting right. And, and then just like those presets that adjusted the colors in a way that I, I really yeah. appreciate it. So like, as far as the color of the photos goes, that was a really like the camera handle handling a lot of that. Like if I were okay. on my computer trying to edit, it would have been, I would have been trying to maybe get it to look pretty similar to that. Um, but everything else, I mean, camera can't, you know, compose the photo for you. Um, and it, I mean, you can turn on auto settings to, to, to try to get the, the lighting, uh, you know, correct as easily as possible. But um, yeah, so it's a lot of things but we can, uh, if we, we should, we should do a pod photo, uh, photo walk. Yeah. Let's all get these sure. fun. X 100 V's and. Oh, that would be great. We, I mean, we can shoot with whatever. I've got film cameras we can all use. We got, I got all, I got all this stuff. Trevor can use this one. I've, I'll be honest. I'm looking at the X100V prices and not probably going to buy that. <laughs> yeah, it's a $1,500 <laughs> camera. And yeah. People are selling them for 2000 on eBay. Um, yeah. I'm probably just going to get the other ones that I'm on the pre-orders list for because I've paid I paid $100 to be on one of them. And I, uh, yeah, so I'm probably just going to get them and, and then put them on eBay or something to offset the price of this one. So nice um anyway there's 25 minutes of kyle but trevor <laughs> tell me tell me about your trip what's 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 been going on uh so i several months ago um this i feel like it was like february march april somewhere in that part of the year um there's a band that i love that i've loved for a very long time i kind of discovered them right as they kind of went on hiatus um their band called porcupine tree and really I, incredible band. Um, they're like a prog rock kind of occasionally metal kind of band. Um, but anyway, I discovered them probably 10 years ago and they went on hiatus like 10 to 12 years ago, something like that. And the lead singer went on um, to do a whole bunch of side projects. And the the drummer who I started listening to him for um, went and did a whole bunch of other stuff and started doing clinics and like instructional videos. And I just ate all that stuff up because he's, an incredible drummer and drummers are oftentimes like my entry into bands people yeah. be like oh you got to check out this drummer and then i listen to the band and i really like it um or i don't like it if they're not a good drummer but anyway um i got really into the drums and the style of drumming of porcupine tree and from there just listened to like all of their albums and got really really into them and then found out that they weren't really doing anything yeah at that point and just gave up on it and then Earlier this year, they announced that um, during the pandemic, they had all kind of like all their projects had stopped, like a lot of musicians, um, all their tours and, and recording sessions stopped. And they got together and started writing bits and pieces of a new album. Hmm. And then without like telling anybody that they were doing all this, they just did it. And then they came out and they're like, oh, hey, guys, we got a new single. And then they released a single as Porcupine Tree. And then they were like, oh, by the way, we're also releasing a, a whole album. And then they released the album. And shortly before they released the album, they were like, oh, also we're going on tour to America <laughs> and South America and Europe nice. and like everywhere. They're going on this worldwide tour to support this album. 
So um, we've talked about this before, but I <clears throat> told myself I was just going to go to concerts if I was at all interested in it. And so as soon as they announced they were going on tour, I was all in. And it turns out that they were only going to like 10 or f- I think it was like 15 cities in the U.S., something like that. So the closest they were coming to Salt Lake was either L.A. or Denver. Okay. Um, I don't have any family or friends or anything in Denver. I would have to pay for a hotel and yeah. drive out to Denver and do that whole mess. I've got a bunch of family in LA. There we go. So drive down to LA. Um, I planned it so that like I got the date, bought the tickets for the show and then gave myself like two days before and the show magically landed on a Friday night. So I took the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off of work, had the Saturday and Sunday as well. Just gave myself like a big <clears throat> five day LA vacation. Um, That's right. And plan that like months ago, got the time off and, and did the whole thing um, just so I could go to this concert was the whole plan. And then we noticed that RSL plays in LA the day after the concert. So it turned into going to RSL, but mostly going to the concert. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I spent most of last week in <clears throat> LA and it was great. I love LA. LA is my i don't want to say home away from home but it's definitely like my second favorite city on the planet yeah what's uh, wait what's the first favorite city on the planet oh should lake. we guess it's a little oh, cheap nice because salt lake probably is not one city but it's yeah it's the greater um was it's the wasatch front is your favorite well, yeah, city wasatch front um well it's i mean la is huge and covers probably just as much territory north to south maybe I, Actually, I would how many, square, how many square, square miles? I mean, it's obviously more populated, but how many square miles is LA County versus uh, 4,700? Is that well, is that for like the Metroplex or is that for that's LA the County? county. That's two that's different things. Uh, so I was then, staying in Orange County, which is still part of LA. I mean, depending well, on who you talk to, okay. for the some Wasatch point of comparison, oh, yeah, do you have the Wasatch Front? Because well, uh, Salt Lake County is 807 square miles, and Utah County is 2140. It's then it's pretty close, so, right? Uh, you know, half the size of, of together, yep. they're half the size of just LA County. Yeah, of so just then LA you County. add in Davis and Weber, then you're pretty much there. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, because it's, it's kind just, of like Ogden to Provo is kind of like the thing, right? Yeah. I don't know how it compares to LA, but like the DFW Metroplex, Dallas, Fort Worth. Yes. It's pretty much like Ogden and Provo, like the whole thing. It's all the same. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Did you, uh, I I know you had tacos at least one time. Did you have good food that you would like to report on? I had tacos twice. Um, Yeah. So my cousin that I ended up staying with, uh, he lives in Fullerton and he lives very close to downtown Fullerton. Uh, so within walking distance and nice. there is probably my favorite taco place of all time um, is like just down the street from his place. It's uh, it's a Korean like fusion place. So oh, they've got like bibimbap um, and a couple different rice bowls and, and stuff like that that you would expect. But they also do uh, like a shrimp taco. And they also do a bulgogi beef taco, mm. which is my favorite taco like on the planet. It's incredibly good. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I had some bulgogi tacos. And then did I have some other random tacos? I feel like I might have. But after the um, LA game, 
I was thinking that there would be like street vendors or tailgate parties or something like that post game that I could go get some tacos from. Um, just like in the parking lot, like we have at RSL games. Um, but you don't have that. <laughs> it was just cops from what I understand. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, it was pretty. It was a really completely different vibe. Um, I went out to the parking lot and granted, I got out there late. So maybe I missed a little bit of the party atmosphere. Um, but when I got out to the parking lot, it was mostly empty. And the parking lot, by the way, also just huge we've got like four or five or maybe six different lots around uh rio tinto that people park at and they don't they take up i mean i feel like it's got to be like less than half the space of all the parking lots around interesting i'm gonna call it stub hub it's not stub hub but around Children, children's mercy uh, no, it's, uh dignity health right dignity dignity health. Sports <laughs> i knew it was like sort of merciful in its name <laughs> anyway yeah so it's just huge parking lots it's like a mall parking lot size place but i went out there and it was just mostly empty barren a couple of people meandering over to their car not a whole <laughs> lot of people like hanging out talking chilling drinking like none of that yeah. really was going on and it was just a whole bunch of la county sheriffs just patrolling the lot <laughs> like just randomly driving around passing people that were walking and like they weren't harassing anybody they weren't like yelling at people they had their lights on, no sirens, but they were just driving around, just making sure that everybody knew that there's a bunch of L.A. County sheriffs just yeah. chilling in this parking lot. So please go home and don't cause a scene or do anything to raise anybody's suspicions or yeah. tensions or anything. Cool. So, yeah, it was really dire cool. situation. Um, but I did find a nice little taco truck uh, a couple miles down the road that was open late and got some tacos there and they were nice, delicious. Very, very good. Um, I did try. I made an effort to go to South of Nick's in oh, San Clemente. Yeah. Uh, but San Clemente is really far, turns out, from <laughs> Fullerton. Yeah, it's down there always. Um, it was, what day was it? It had to be, yeah, it was the day of the concert. It was Friday. I ended up going to uh, the Broad, which is an art museum in downtown LA. Nice. Um, and... I enjoy museums and I enjoy art museums, but I don't feel like I'm good at them. If that makes sense. Like they had a bunch of like pop art and some contemporary art and stuff like that. Like, and I was, yeah, I had a good time and I, I walked around and was enjoying it, but um, they did have like some audio tour. Why do you think you're not good at them? I don't understand art. Like I don't, I can't look at an art piece and be like, Oh, the artist was trying to do this or this is the emotion I should be feeling because of that. You know what I mean? Like, I, unless think, I, mean, like, well, I guess it just probably depends on the art. Right. Cause I mean, for, for like abstract art and like a lot of, you know, like more modern stuff that is a bit more ambiguous. I, I can understand that, but I don't think, I mean, like, I don't know for, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. There are certain, you know, times you look at something and you're like, oh, this makes me feel like warm or good yeah. or whatever. But like uh, for me, I'm, I'm much I'm what's way more my speed is just like is like like photography, for instance. Like I love going to photo museums or like photo yeah. exhibits and like that. You know, I can feel like I can appreciate good photos. Um, but yeah. yeah, I feel very similarly uh, when I'm in kind of like modern or abstract art exhibits where I'm like, hmm, OK, yeah. Uh, like I said, they had some like audio tours for 
like some of the paintings where it was just basically giving you a quick overview of like the artist and like their kind of style and, and their influence or who they were taking influence from or, you know, giving you a quick once over. And there were a couple of them where they went like, I feel like deep into like the meaning of the piece and like what message it was trying to convey. And I was like, that all for most of them, I was like, that all makes a lot of sense. If you tell me that I can, but like, <laughs> I would never get that from this piece in a million years. So that's what I mean when I say like, I'm not I, good I at think art. That's okay. I, I can't. Yeah. I, I, yeah I, I'm not, I'm not mad about it. But. I'm not, so I, I love abstract art, uh, non-objective art, generally speaking. Um, and I think like, I, I mean, you can look for meaning and you can imbue it with your own meaning. Um, but for me, it's it's more just like a purely aesthetic yeah. uh, experience. And that's where I get the most value. I don't I don't really care what the meaning is most of the time. Yeah, they did have um, several different artists, um, like collections, like they had a bunch. Uh, the one you'd recognize is Andy Warhol. They had a whole bunch of Andy Warhol pieces. Which museum were you at again? The Broad. It is spelled the Broad, but it is pronounced Broad because it's a dude's last name, and that's oh. how it's pronounced. Okay. Um. Yeah. If you go to their website, you can see a lot of the works of art, and they do have like audio tours on, like the pieces of art that they're about, and you've got information about the collections that they have and um all that. It's really cool. There was uh. Oh, I'm going to forget his name. If you're looking it up right now, you can see it. There's a Japanese artist that does. Is it Kurosama? No, Kusama. I think that's it. Yeah. Yayoi Kusama? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that guy. Yayoi? Yeah. Um, he does uh, like light installations. Oh, did you get to see him then? Yes. Oh, they're that's so great. cool. So they're, they're timed entry and you have to get them in advance. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, well, one of them was just a, a piece um, that was just in the museum and you can just get in line and go and they give you one minute to just go check it out and see it. And so you didn't have to get a ticket for that one. But he did have an installation that I think was called the Infinity uh, she, Room. by the way. What's that? She, by the way. She, sorry. No yeah, idea. Infinity Mirrored Room is the one on view there. The well, hold on, because there's two of them, and now I don't remember which one it is. The there's that one, and that is Longing for Eternity. I think it's Longing for Eternity. Is the dark one that's like space? Uh, they're both kind of like uh, no, that Infinity Mirrored Room is like space. Here, I'll post it in Slack. It's, I mean, it's on my list of things to see. Just amazing. Longing for Eternity. Yeah, okay. So Longing for Eternity was the one that you could just go and there's oh, a line. Yeah. And, that's wow this is that looks cool yeah so what longing if you're looking at it longing for eternity basically you can see that there's whoa a couple holes and the mirror makes it looks like there's a, a billion holes but there's really only three really it's like a triangle room kind of thing it's not very big that's fascinating um, but it's got three different holes at three different heights on the three different sides of it and inside it's just got lights um, at the top and lights at the bottom and then all of the walls are just mirrors so it's just mirroring itself and so the lights look like they go on forever um the other one i don't remember the name of we just talked about infinity something something infinity mirror something, something yeah infinity mirror grim yes that's that cool one. man that's 
this place this looks this is i like this this is the one that you had to get uh tickets for mm. um like it's free but you had to like sign up and get a ticket for it if you're looking at it again on the website road.org you can go look at it um get a picture of it wow. you can see there's like a little mat kind of thing in the middle yes i do so see that behind that you can't see it but there's a door um yeah. that you go in and it's just got again it's just it's just a giant mirrored room and you can't really see how big the room is um yeah, this is this is crazy. Look at the souls of millions of light years away. Yeah, this is amazing. It's um, to give that you looks- the sense of like being in space is, is what it's supposed to be. Uh, it's mission accomplished, not the George yeah. Bush style. I mean, really, actually <laughs> mission accomplished. So you go in, they, you, they open the door, they let you in. You're standing on that mat and then you can look around and all you're seeing is lights in every single direction up down left right there's some that are clearly like suspended from the ceiling and sitting in front of you and some that are like actually in the ceiling and in the walls and like all kinds of stuff it's really really cool um this is amazing okay so i spent a couple of hours there there's those two light things but then like i said there's like andy warhol pieces there's um a dude and i forget his name now that just does i'm gonna call it's I'm going to call it comic book art. Roy Lichtenstein. That's the one. Roy Mm -hmm. Lichtenstein. Nailed Um, it. Does, like I said, it's not comic book art, but it it looks like comic book art. They had a pop art derived from comic books. So it's not wrong. Um, But that was a lot of really incredible stuff. Um, Seeing all of, all of his work. I really enjoyed. They had some that were from, um, african artists that did like art kind of installations kind of um they have a couple like sculptors that have pieces in there um so they're like polished like stainless steel pieces that they do so it's like mirrored or colored or it's incredible stuff anyway if you want to go check it out it's the broad.org b-r-o-a-d um they've got a bunch of their stuff not all of it but most of it is available online you can just take a look at it um, but I spent some time there and then that day was a day that I was going to go to South of Nick's, but I would have had to go from downtown LA to San Clemente. It's a long ways, buddy. And then back to the other side to the almost Hollywood side of LA. Yeah. Uh, to go to the Greek theater, which is where the show was. So, Ooh, get him to the Greek. You got, we got you to the Greek. You guys familiar with this movie? So I'm familiar, familiar with that movie, but I thought so long ago, I always thought that movie was about a different theater. That's no, the Greek theater the Greek in LA. Theater. I thought the Greek theater that they were going to was like a movie theater. No, it's he's a he's a. Anyway, not to get into the forgetting Sarah Marshall extended universe, <laughs> but essentially Aldous Snow is the artist that uh, is needed to be gotten to the Greek. Um, and in this, in get him to the Greek, uh, Jonah Hill's character which you might find confusing because Jonah Hill is in Forgetting Star Marshall, but he plays a different character than he does. Oh, we we lose Matt? Oh, no, did we? Oh, did we, we definitely lose? lost Matt. Uh-oh. Okay, right, so uh, sorry for the interruption. Yeah, but we're, we're, we're back, though, so that's We are great. back. And Hopefully that stays the case. Yeah, and I will also just finish what I was saying. Jonah Hill is a different character in Get Him to the Greek than he is in Forgetting Star Marshall. Just kind of confusing, but it's uh, it's it's fine anyway. So, yeah, they were trying to get he works for P. Diddy and I can't remember if P. Diddy plays himself. 
in that movie. Plays but plays Sergio Roma, a record okay, so company he... owner and Aaron's boss, who assigns okay. him to manage Aldous. So he does not play himself, but he plays essentially himself. And uh, he gets him to the, the Greek theater in L.A. Okay. That's the whole thing from London, I believe. But for some reason, I always thought that he was trying to get him to a movie theater. <laughs> to go see a movie or I don't I don't remember. I saw the movie once shortly after it came out. Remember Strange the Furry Walls because of the drugs? No, you know what it was? Because the, the famous like movie theater premiere movie theater thing in L.A. is the Grauman Theater. Mm. Mm. Okay. I was probably always just thinking, get him to the Greek, was actually yeah. get him to the Grauman for some reason. Anyway. Great sequel. <laughs> Book it. Get him to the Grauman. <laughs> well, Matt, what have you been up to? I know we uh yeah. been talking forever, but tell no, us what you've great. been going on. Uh so mine's less exciting. I uh feel like I in you know inhabited a little bit of Kyle. Uh and half of mine's about movies, which is uh Unusual. But before we get there, uh, to make myself an amalgamation of, I guess, both of us, you know, both of you. Both of us? Yeah, both of you. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I did see, I saw Dream Theater at the Greek in 2008. Really? Sweet. 2005. Really cool. some, some year, I don't know, in the 2000s. Uh, and what? I did see Porcupine Cree. Like in what 2005 or something? Wow! So yeah, that could be I, big flex, big flex. No, I'm just I I can I I know the joy that Trevor is feeling. That's good. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's cool. They played and, a full on like three hour show. There was no opener. It was just that. Uh, really? Beautiful. Yeah, I'm great. here for that. Like that's that's great. And I should note that I saw those concerts with both of my parents because last time I. I, I just said my dad and I got attacked on Twitter by my mother. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to head that off this time. There you go. Um, yeah. Take a sip. They're both metal heads. So it would make yeah. sense. Yep. I love uh, it. I love so that. let's see. Uh, we'll work backward a little bit. Sure. So I watched uh, Synecdoche, New York. Great movie. Which, yeah, that like, was kind of a perfect movie. Some would say. Yeah, it was. I don't. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and that's like. It's not. I don't know about the quality. Like it's clearly fantastic. Um, yeah, it's. It's. But it it's, left me with more question. Not. Not even like distinct questions. But sure. It's not. It's not a typical narrative, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I saw that you well, watched that on Letterboxd. Great movie. Yeah, I had some free time around lunch, so I I watched that. What did you call that movie? Schenectady, New York. Schenectady. Schenectady. So it's Schenectady is okay. Wait, what did I I say? Schenectady. I heard Matt say Schenectady at first. That's what what I just said. Yeah, that's what you said. Okay, all right. Yeah, no, it's the the concept. (laughs) Schenectoki. S y n e c e o c h e. That's yep. That's the one. Not to be confused with Schenectady, New York. Thanks, Wikipedia. Right. I would say it's not child appropriate. So um, that is something we have to recognize sometimes on this, this podcast. <laughs> That's true. Oh, and it's got Philip Seymour Hoffman. It does. And he, okay. I need yeah, to watch this movie. It, there's not a great way to describe it outright. Um, it's but a it, Charlie it, Kaufman movie. Yeah. It plays with a lot of time and like your, you, the, the feeling of time. 
Yeah, I've been meaning to rewatch this one. It's I've I saw it a long time ago, and I really liked it. It was when I was like getting into my. I was like, oh, I'm I'm a I'm an indie movie guy, big now. indie film head. I saw Donnie Darko seven times and was like, yeah, I know what I'm. Oh, I know you, what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I've been there. I get that. You're a, you're a filmophile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's um, so I, I watched that. Uh, I think I already talked about finishing the rehearsal. Yeah, you did. Okay, good. Um, I started rewatching it, but with Ginny. Um, I mean, how does she like it or not like it? <laughs> I don't know. We're only two episodes in. We're taking it pretty slow. Okay. Um, yeah. And it like it gains so much on rewatch for me. Interesting. Like, I, I'm. Yeah, it, it's very powerful. Um, and along with that, I started watching Nathan for You, which is hilarious. Um, but also, like, I feel like I maybe watched them backward by watching Nathan for you after the rehearsal. Kind of, yeah. It does um, give you more context for his behavior. <laughs> it gives, like, so much context. Yeah. Uh, and it, it adds, like, an emotional element. Yeah. That there's you also get when you think it's a straight comedy. Oh, or, yeah. Know, a, a, like a, a dry uh, anti-comedy yeah. comedy. I, he, uh, I also recommend going back to some of the, the videos. I think they're on YouTube of when he worked for CBC, okay. the Canadian Broadcasting Company. And he, he would go on assignment or they would have segments with him and very similar feel where the, okay. th- there's this one, uh, there's this one uh, segment that he does about pizza in Canada. And there's this, uh, there's this like Lebanese man who's who runs this pizza shop in Ontario and Nathan's pretending like he had gone on assignment to Italy. So he's trying to get the guy to lie and pretend to be Italian. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, and and show that he's actually uh, an Italian pizza shop. But anyway, there's a lot that. of great Nathan older Nathan Fielder clips on YouTube that I highly okay. recommend. I've uh, written it on a sticky note. So I love it. <laughs> um, let's see. I. I watched uh, Howl's Moving Castle in the theater, both subtitled and dubbed. Oh. And uh, I've got to say, I I mean, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. Like, I'm a subtitled sort of person. Same. Um, not to get too far into it, but the character of Howl, if you watch it dubbed, uh, is done by Christian Bale. What? Uh, and, <laughs> and he's kind of brooding. And, and it's like right after Batman Begins... Uh, so that that gives so you a sense of work. like, yeah. Um, but in in the Japanese version, he's he's much more cheery, and uh, I've got to say, I enjoyed that more. So interesting. Okay, yeah. I, I I mean, it does just always feel like it's more true to the original intent when it's subs versus dubs. Yeah, and yeah. for you know, there are a lot of reasons to watch things dubbed, right? Uh, watching with children, I think, is is totally fine reason. Although, yes, Jenny uh, has an aunt and uncle who show their kids a lot of anime, but they only watch it subbed uh, because it's a great way to learn to read. I, and they're I, great yeah. readers, so that's a listen, man. There's something to that. That's cool. Yeah. I love that. Um, I'm trying to think of if, if I have anything else, but uh, you've. It seems like you made some good food recently as well. Oh, I hope so. Uh, I've I've made I I Japanese curry so. a couple times in the last week, uh, which is one of my favorites. So last time I made Japanese curry, like I made a big batch of roux because uh, you can't buy it at the store if you're a, a celiac oh. like us. Yeah. So I made a big batch of roux with some, you know, replacement flour and butter and and uh, 
you know, curry spices and it turned out really well. Nice. So I saved, I saved a bunch of it and, you know, I just plopped some in a pot and went to town and it worked out really well. <laughs> I had and, a really uh, good, good uh, Thai curry in Seattle. I had, it was a Penang that came inside of a coconut. Like it was a full okay. coconut that they, that they, which seems impractical for, I assume how many people ordered Penang, but yeah. it was in a coconut uh and they give you the coconut water and a little wine glass as well which is pretty funny but oh that's great um yeah anyway that's i the curry sounds good to me right now i'm kind of hungry didn't really have uh, dinner now i'm thinking about it but. oh i don't know um <laughs> and then i uh i've been eating a lot of snacks so if you've seen on twitter uh we've got a little rsl soapbox donation drive going on yes uh for the uh I believe it's answer ALS. I'm going to double check that though. I think because that's right. I don't want to get it wrong, <laughs> but it's an ALS research foundation. And I said, you know, for every $50 donated, I will eat a new snack. Um, and I'm way behind in snacks now because, you know, people are, are very kind and generous and are donating and I've uh, eaten a lot of snacks and I'll continue to eat more. So, all in all, uh, that's been that's taken up a, a little bit of my week trying to figure out where to get new snacks. But what's been that, your favorite yeah. snack so far? Oh, I've had a few that weren't good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which what's you'll see those on Twitter. Um, here, I'm just going to go to the thread. What was your least favorite? So that was one I ate last night, and here we go. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Do, 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 do. Sorry. You did like the uh, Magic Masala Lays, though. Yeah, those were incredible. Uh, the American Turkey Leg Cheetos, really good. Okay. Um, I had some Ghost Pepper Lays Max. They were very spicy. Wait, are those the ones? Those aren't like hard to find ones, right? Because I feel like I saw those in the store those the other day. look very nice. Uh, they were from American. Thailand, so. Oh, I don't okay. know. So maybe not. I don't know how they're different, but. Um, some seaweed lays that were all right. Uh, one called fruity burst candy with no fruity burst. That was a big disappointment. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, maybe the, uh, turkey leg Cheetos might be my favorite. <laughs> can I describe a snack to you and you tell me if you've had it? Yeah. Cause I don't know what it's called. The packaging is all, um, Japanese was it? It's either Japanese or Korean. We found it at the Asian market. Um, basically it's like bag of snacks inside the bag is individually wrapped, um, snacks. You yeah. open up the individual wrapper and it is just like a jelly gelatin mm-hmm. kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it's like a loose jelly, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think I had a mango one that was probably like that. Very, It, I, it might be like, that exact thing. It was like jello, but in a little packet. Yeah. It's like its own little, like single serve kind of jello thing yeah yep i can't remember if we got mango or if we got peach but we got those two weeks ago oh, nice. be two or three weeks ago and i don't want to say they're weird because that's not a good way to describe <laughs> food from different countries but it was yeah. an experience yeah. and it was it was delicious it was just thank you for really- not saying weird trevor <laughs> i mean but like you're used to jello in like a cup or like yeah like, it wasn't like 
you un, you unwrap it and it's just like jello in your hand like that's yeah. pretty much what it was nice. yeah so, i kept mine in the little packet and then just sort of sucked it like, out like, yeah yeah um the probably the worst from a, a experience perspective was one called poppin cooking <laughs> uh which if oh let me just post this in slack it's not german is it no it's uh it's i think they're japanese Okay. And it's like a little build your own bento candy thing, um, which sounds right. great, right? Like <laughs> sounds kind of cool. Um, so I'll, I posted that in Slack, and you can see the photo. Uh, and again, you can go to my Twitter and scroll through this thread to find this. And you can see, like, oh yeah, that's a cool like <laughs> like there's the little gummies up. or gel, you know, gelatin candy. <laughs> I'm going to show you now what what mine looked like. Oh no! Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> so there are bad. no words for this. It's <laughs> abject failure. The curry, the the like fried chicken that it had me make. I think that looks remotely like the package. Yeah. Everything else. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to be. I don't want to be mean here. But which one is the fried chicken? <laughs> the what? There are two of them on the ends. Okay. All right. That's what I thought it was. There's two of them on the end. It's kind of like the double down from KFC. That was like instead of <laughs> instead of buns, it was fried chicken. You got so all the good go. stuff in the middle. Oh, what they, is the top left thing? Wait. I, well, that's the 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 panda. The panda. Okay. okay. What's yeah. the is the what's the green? That's supposed to be broccoli. <laughs> it did not. Oh. Yeah. Wow. This is this is. This is cool. Anyway, I learned a valuable lesson, which is uh, <laughs> I'm not good at these things. Oh, <laughs> and, that is uh, so yeah. funny. <laughs> anyway, donations. We're still taking donations. Um, let's talk oh. about it a little bit, and then we can transition to news. I don't have anything else on my end. I've okay. probably Real forgotten quick. something interesting. but Before we talk about serious stuff, um, I wanted to shout out the uh, street food, street vendor food. That I got outside the Greek theater. And I thought it was like a one-off, I'm lucky to get it kind of thing. But apparently this is like a thing. These guys show up like every single time there's a concert and they're there. But it's uh, what they serve is it's basically just a hot dog. It's a bacon wrapped hot dog. But they top it with like grilled onions and peppers. And then like ketchup, mayo, mustard if you want. Oh, yeah. And it's the greatest thing I've had off of the street in a very long time. And I came home and immediately learned how to make it. And it's... I love that. Delicious. Good. Very good. good for you. That's great. That's that's going to become a staple. I talked about it on Twitter just for like a second, and Matt said he wasn't interested. And so I made a gluten-free version of it where I just put it over rice and like created a sauce for it. Yeah, that so sounds great. I would love that. It's really good. As long as I'm you don't really put mustard on it. it. I mean I tried it initially yeah. with some mustard. Yeah. And I, I don't like it. I took the mustard out. Mustard yes. and rice doesn't seem like a good combo. No, it's, it's had, really not. Uh, sorry, Strictly to, speaking, it was a brown mustard, things. like a spicy brown. Yeah, th- that's probably better. Uh, so better, but on this good. trip, I did have two different foods that I'd never eat and oh. kind of pre- reported to say that I don't like. Eggs cur- cooked a certain way, which is... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what way they were cooked. What's... Uh, Ways well, should we just go through all the options over easy, over medium, over hard? Those are the easy ones. Okay, soft boiled, hard boiled, medium uh, boiled. There's also a medium boiled. Oh, is there? 
Okay. Okay. I think I I think it was fried sunny side up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I'm okay. Being, listen, I'm being pedantic here, but fried and sunny side up are two different ways to okay. cook eggs. Uh. Well, you, okay. you would fry Wait, it in some oil. What's over you? easy? Over easy is basically you crack the egg in the pan, you let it cook for a minute, and then you in like not a lot of oil and butter because that's how you fry an egg. Um, but then you just flip it over. Um. <laughs> when the bottom is set and you just let it cook like just the top layer. So the yolk is still super runny, um, but all the white is cooked. Okay. It was it, essentially the yolk. I'm usually like exclusively a scrambled eggs person. Okay. But okay. I had one that was one of these and it, what, I don't know what level of easy or what for, I don't know, man, medium difficult or legend. I had a legendary, <laughs> I had a fried legendary egg and it was, it was, I was, uh, my grandpa prepared it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do any, like, I didn't say like, Oh, I don't, I don't like, he didn't ask. He did, he just make eggs. Yeah. And he <laughs> ate, I had ham and he had like these beautiful breakfast platters, like with like, uh, fried ham and there that or yeah, like he fried it on, on like a pan, like breakfast ham and then, Mm. uh egg and bananas and i was like oh this looks delicious and i i was like oh, i'm just gonna have this egg now and i liked it quite a bit so that was good kind of strange um and then i, I love a fried egg over rice okay, when the I yolk mean, is so, oh, so good okay now i think i'm i think i'm on board with that now i will also say that i last or yeah last night we had this really delicious um rice uh black beans uh avocado and shrimp and then a really nice sauce for it and the shrimp was like um done with just like some avocado oil and basil and lemon and some other stuff and it was so good and i'm not a shrimp person and i i generally i generally avoid it and i really liked it so big day for big big trip for me i really branched out on two Two different ways but anyway sorry we can talk we should talk about the fundraiser we should talk about uh john real quick yeah um so john jenna who's the vice president of uh is it public relations what's his title i should know this he, i mean he's over all of pr not pr i thought he was uh, the, i thought he was the he's the vp of communications and public relations okay so yeah, he's, you know, uh, high level at the club. He's been there for six years, seven years. Yeah. And for us that have uh, been like in an in and around, as Taylor Twelman likes to say, the press box. Um, yeah, we've a fixture. Uh, had a lot. Yeah. Fixture. We've seen John and uh, gotten to know him and uh, it's great to see him around every time uh, we are in there. Yeah. Uh, very sweet. Nice dude. But he. Um, announced recently on Twitter that he's been diagnosed with ALS, hence the uh, the uh, the raising money that we're doing at the moment. Yeah, and ALS is a disease that has no known cure, um, and and the only thing you can do is try to treat the symptoms at this point. Yeah, um, you know, organizations like Answer ALS are working to, you know, to raise funds to you know actually combat the disease rather than than you know late symptoms so you know that's that's kind of the impetus behind it and the timing yeah um and there there are a couple fun things that it it means for rsl soapbox if we hit some donation levels yeah um one we've already passed at a thousand dollars we were going to uh oh and this we haven't announced yet actually uh so we can announce it here 
uh, trying to get a hold of full video of the 2009 MLS Cup. If you have it, send it to us. We'd love to to take that off your hands. Does Trey not have it? He probably does somewhere. Okay. Um, I think he a, told us that he was going to get it to us, and we just haven't heard back yet. But we okay. also, I don't think, have done any follow-up. So, No, not yet. That's the um, goal, is to do that. And uh, yeah, we're, we'll watch it stream. Uh, depending on the, the rights to stream it, we'll, you know, we'll either stream us watching and commentating. Uh, not like crew commentators, of Ooh, course. But. Are we going to start a Twitch channel? We're not starting a Twitch channel. No, what? What? Um, but at, at the $500 level, so very early on, um, I've committed us to watch some MLS reserves games from like 2012. <laughs> yes. uh, Thank featuring you Real Salt Lake because they're all on YouTube. Not yeah. all the games, yeah. of course, but some. Uh, so I think that'll be a fun thing. I love it. I think so. And if we hit $2,000, um, I'll do something I haven't done since December 7th, 2013. And that's watch the 2013 MLS Cup oh, final. No. Oh, wow. I, I, I will. I'll, I'll do it. I don't I'll want do to. It too. No, I don't I mean, want to, but I'll okay, do it. Listen, I'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll do this, it. This is the thing. I kind of wanted to also do like if we hit a thousand or two thousand or whatever, set a goal and then come up with something that like I could do like because Matt's doing the snack thing and I love the snack thing. But I kind of also wanted to do something. But great. I love I'm it. not creative enough to like come up with anything. And my problem with with it was I don't know if I want to like set a goal like say two thousand dollars and if we hit that do something that's personally miserable for me to do but would be like fun would it be I fun for the rest like, of us and miserable for you because that sounds good oh what if what I, if, I don't if know we if like, like three thousand that we're you, going on here yeah. for like raising money you know what I mean what if what if if we hit three thousand you have to be uh, you can't say a single negative thing about RSL for the next year. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I don't think any of us could commit to that. <laughs> what if Trevor had to, though? But we, Matt and I, would be negative or could be. I but could. Trevor, you could not be. The what problem about is, that? I can't be on the podcast if that's the thing. <laughs> so, yeah. say no. Uh, okay, fine. We'll figure so $2,000 wanna... to kick you off the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> So I could, uh, let me get, get out my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, no, yeah, it's, it's a great, great cause. Raising money for ALS is, is always good. Um, like Matt said, there's not a known cure for ALS. Um, and it's, I mean, to put it very lightly, it's a real bummer of a disease. Um, yeah. My uncle uh, passed away from ALS a few years ago. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's not great. They did, if you remember several years ago, do the ice bucket challenge. That was all to raise money for ALS. Yeah. Um, that did that year. They, I don't remember the numbers. I'm going to get it wrong, but there's usually on average, I think it was like five to $7 million that like gets raised for als research like nationwide i think yeah. and that year they raised like 40 million or something like that um there was a pill um or a treatment that was recently approved by the fda it's one of uh five drugs i think that are used to treat um als this one was just approved like last month i think very very recently and that one famously kind of came out of that huge fundraising 
drive that the ice bucket yeah. challenge kind of pushed. So um, more money to treat ALS or, or find a cure for ALS is always a good thing. And it's always something that I personally am going to support no matter what all the time forever. Yeah. Agreed. So real happy we're doing something like this. And like I said, if I can't come up with anything, but I do want to like encourage people to donate. So if there's something that like I could do that would help people donate or hit a tier or whatever, I'm open to ideas. He's taking requests. He's going to play. He's taking requests. RSL soapbox open mic night. We could. Yeah. Something like that. That'd be fun. And Trevor, Trevor will do a comedy show. It'll be great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so so please check out my Twitter. Uh, you can find it there. It's been retweeted by RSL Soapbox, a number of other people. Um, and I think if you search RSL Soapbox ALS, um, well, it didn't come up. Uh, uh, but you can get RSL it from Soapbox my Twitter. Answer ALS? Yeah. Yeah. Crossbar RSL, RSL Soapbox. I retweeted it as well. Um, I also yeah. retweeted it. Shout out to John. Now Great dude. I, yeah. Kyle, you kind of kind of went in and out there, but I assume what you said was great, and we'll get to Sorry. hear it in post. I know. I said shout right. out to John. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, agreed. John genuinely is. Uh, I mean, we've met several people in and around the club, and John is genuinely the nicest. Yeah, just yeah, a he's great way guy. nicer than Tyler Gibbons. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> Infinitely nicer than Tyler Gibbons. <laughs> Tyler, what's what's Tyler's middle name? Tyler Dean Gibbons. Dean is it right. Dean? I have no idea. I'm How did you have? I was gonna say Michael. Michael. Michael Bryant Gibbons. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so we're we're just over twelve hundred dollars now, uh, and you know, and and every bit helps, of course. Uh, this is all going through Just Giving. It's not not going through us. I don't want that responsibility. Uh, they do charge a small platform fee, but it gives you an option to to pay that basically um up front so yeah uh, yep. yeah easy easy um if you want to do it do it if you don't that's okay uh but always helps to spread the word so yeah well uh should we talk uh more directly rsl stuff more direct rsl stuff i guess yeah let's do it we don't have any news and rumors other than that but rsl did play a friendly against atlas in which aaron herrera scored a goal that very well is probably going to get nominated for the Pushkash Award. Is am I crazy in thinking that? Yeah, can, I don't think you're crazy. Can you generally be nominated? Uh, from it was an mm. I think they have done goals from friendlies before. Pushkash Award I, used to be something that I paid a lot of attention to and I really cared about, mm-hmm. and I spent time looking into every single year, and I got excited about it. Um, I feel like they have done it from friendlies or at least like international friendlies, like between mm. international teams. I don't know that they do it between like club team friendlies. Yeah. I know that think? they probably yeah. don't do like preseason match, but I feel like there was one like two or three years ago where it was from like a preseason, like warm up mat that like made it in. Mm. I think I could be, I could the, be wrong. The, the way they describe it on their website is outstanding. Uh, Let's see. The FIFA Pushkas Award is given to the player who uh, judged to have scored the most aesthetically significant goal, regardless of championship, gender, and nationality, and scored without the result of luck or a mistake in support of fair play. Um, I don't see anything about <coughs> friendlies, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, okay, so Aaron Herrera scored <laughs> a goal from uh, like about 70 yards away. I think the, the number came to 78. 78 okay. yards away from goal and um, in, the air. in the air, didn't bounce. He hit the back of the net. Uh, I mean, he, directly. he like skimmed the underside of the crossbar practically. Yeah, it was um, it was really amazing. It was a really pretty goal. Uh, and so the award criteria for the Pushkas Award is that it should be an absolutely beautiful goal, subjective but decided by voting and judgment from experts. The spread of goals should be include long range shots, team goals, Rabona, overhead kicks, and individual plays, scorpion kicks, etc. Um, I really amazing oh this is kind of funny it should support fair play i.e the player should not have behaved badly in the game or have been charged with doping for example yeah. this wikipedia page is hilarious i mean aaron Herrera um, is you know looking pretty jacked but he didn't get a red card in this game so i think he's, he's fine so. he is yeah he is looking <laughs> yeah he's looking jacked but yeah so he scores this like amazing goal he takes a really nice first touch and then on the second touch he just launches it from distance and out of all of the long range goals I've ever seen that weren't from a keeper, it might be the longest one I've ever seen. I like I people were I was going through the R soccer um, on the, the subreddit. This was posted on there. I was going through all the comments and like everyone kind of seemed to agree that this is maybe one of the best. I mean, it's one of the best long range goals ever <laughs> in the game. Amazing. Um from that distance, I mean, obviously, like there, there might be more aesthetically pleasing goals from shorter distance that are, you know, where the keeper is in position. But like uh, he hits it so unbelievably well, and it might be the longest goal. I didn't see any refutation of it, of it being the longest non keeper goal yeah. uh, from distance, which is I mean, it was a good looking goal, too. So uh, <laughs> that was the highlight of the game for sure. Um the rest of the game wasn't great. Justin Miram got a red card for kicking someone in the chest. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then we lost. Did we I lose? We, we yeah, won we 99 lost. to 2 because Aaron Herrera's goal was worth right. 99 goals. Did we win? Oh. Did, we, did we lose 2 1 or was it, did we draw? I think I we lost. Remember. I thought we lost 2 1. Okay. Yeah. Um, this was a game that happened. Yeah. I watched that really goal boring. in the Brulums in Alpine, Wyoming, and I was like, no way did this just just happen. And sure enough. Can I um please interject one thing that's gonna it makes me mad, but like I'm over it already. I love um, this. I don't know we, what it is, but I love it. If you recall at the beginning of the season, beginning ish of the season, we were involved in a little tournament called the US Open Cup, which matters. It's a thing. It it matters. The games matter in the which US tournament Open is Cup. that? The U.S. Open Cup. I've it's never a, heard of it. Oh, I know what you're about to say. Actually, it's a tournament that, like, if you win the tournament, you get an automatic, like, birth into the Champions League. So, some people like it, some people don't. Oh boy, uh, I didn't was, think about this, but now you're making me think about this. <laughs> there was a, a famous quote or a quote that was touted um, as coming from our head coach, or maybe it was somebody else of the team. Uh, said so we were t- making it a priority. That tournament was a priority for us this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we started a bunch of scrubs and we played a bunch of scrubs. We even had two guys that aren't on the MLS roster play start in that game. Um, this is Bobby Pierre and Pierre Reedy, right? 
Yeah, those two guys are not on the MLS roster, but they they were on the Open Cup roster, so they could play in that game. And we lost to a team that um, sucks. Uh, oh, anyway, they, we didn't even know if they. I mean, they do suck, but there it was also their fourth ever game as uh, organized as a team, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Fourth. So anyway, we played a bunch of scrubs in the game that was a priority. We were told it was a priority. And then we get this game, which uh, doesn't matter at all. It's it's not a friendly, but like, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't like if we won the game, nothing changes. It's not like we get a whole bunch of prize money. We don't move on in the tournament. Uh, We don't have any chance to participate in any other tournaments. We just play the game and people show up and they they might enjoy a game of soccer that's played. We started not like a full on starting 11 for this game, but it was a bunch of starters. Like more than the what we did for the Northern Colorado Hailstorm game is what you're what you're saying. Yeah, that's yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just got mad about that (laughs) all over again for that game um yeah that's not great is it okay we love that i i hate that i mean i get that like it's league mandated we we had to because the league was like you guys have to do this this year i mean did they i don't know yeah it's it's it was mls put the tournament together and mls chose the teams yeah ostensibly that's what what we were told i'm guessing we said yeah we'd love to i'm okay even if that's the case really silly to play that game with a whole bunch of first teamers yeah. in the as a midweek game in the middle of a playoff push, that game doesn't matter. In which we've been really bad lately. This <sighs> play in that playoff push, yeah, that game, that game literally matters zero. Mm. Yeah. Uh, funny story. Did you know that Northern Colorado Hailstorm have point zero one points uh, per game more than RSL? They're at one point three four. That's good. Good for our 1.33. So you um, deserve it. That's interesting. I I definitely said the Northern Colorado hailstorm suck, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, (laughs) better than us, Trevor, in a different league. In their respective league. Yeah. Yeah. In their And they beat us, though. (laughs) Uh Yeah. So I'm just. No, that's a a fair point. You guys finish that thought on your own. I'm just making sure that I definitely said that. Yeah. So. Yeah, that game was a game that took place. Great for Aaron Herrera getting a wonder goal. This I think this probably is gonna was one of our only nationally televised games uh, of the year. Was this friendly? But anyway, yeah. In the addition, nationally televised games. Yeah, yeah. we've I got think one the only up. other. Yeah, I think the only other nationally televised game we have this season is the one that's coming up. But before that, let's. Uh, oh yeah, it, we did have another game between that, didn't we? Yeah, let's let's talk LA Galaxy, really a game which. Second. RSL drew 1-1 on the road. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that a lot of results leading up to this game did go our way, meaning that this game, uh, I mean, we could have, if we won this game, we would have likely made the playoffs. I like, would we have clinched if we would have won based on those results? We and then, not have quite clinched. Okay, would we have needed just that win and then a draw versus Portland? Because yeah, or for results to go our way again. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> a lot of results leading up to that did go our way, uh, yeah. and then the following day also, um, and like the last time we recorded, we I mean, 
Look, man, we've all kind of just accepted that we feel like the season is kind of over. I don't know. You know, we've looked, we've been, we've been, <laughs> we've paid way too close of attention to every game for the last, uh, for since May. And we've won four of them uh, since the end of May. And, uh, you know, even if this team does end up making the playoffs, it, uh, huge concerns about like what's taken place in the, the second half of this season, which has just been abysmal. Um, yeah. So <laughs> RSL goes into LA and I thought, I mean, played, played pretty well in the beginning of the game. Um, RSL, did they get a penalty first before we scored? I can't remember now. Oh, I gotta let's actually the, pull it up. I got to pull up the game now because I, it was a very, very uh, chaotic game. So we, of course, play in, at, at LA Galaxy. This was yeah, a weird game. Minute. Yeah, okay. So this was a weird game where the lineup that we trot, trotted out was uh, we're back to doing a three back with Aaron Herrera as a center back. Cool. We had... Andrew Brody on the right. We had uh, um, Oviedo on the left. And then in the central midfield, uh, our two eights, essentially, we went with Scott Caldwell and Brian Ojeda. And then we started uh, Jasper Loffelsund as the 10. And then had uh, Saverino and Cordova up top. Can I ask you guys a real quick question? Yeah. About the lineup specifically, sure, yeah. and uh, more specifically about Jasper. Um, I just got a tweet from somebody that raised an interesting question. Um, just asking wanted... questions, as it were. <laughs> well, no, not those kind of questions. No. Um, is there so Jasper? Let's call it. He was in the position of the ten, right? He was. He was the ten. Jasper was the ten. Yeah. Is there any other role that Jasper could have been playing in that position as the field on the field, other than an attacking midfielder, uh, an offensive creator type position? Is it, yes. is it possible that he could have been doing something other than, or yes. his, his yeah, he could have been goal could have been doing something? He could, he could have played in Scott Caldwell's Brady. position, and instead of starting Scott Caldwell, we could have started Diego Luna. No, no, no that, that's that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying what is, are you if saying? you're if you put a player in that position on the field, do they have any other role other than being the creator? Not are they oh, best suited? You're saying for, like, oh, maybe we put him there because he's a, a good pressing player and he's like a high, like he can press on a high line and being the third most advanced player. Yeah, like if, if we're not scoring goals or we're not creating chances, that's not Jasper's <clears throat> fault because Jasper's not creating chances. Then what because is that's not his role? Well, when. That's the like role that's of a 10, role, though, right? Yeah, that's so what essentially saying. what he did was stick us at what he, what what, pa, what Pablo Mascherini did was start a uh, defender who we uh, played as a winger and then converted into an eight and then decided we could play as a as a 10 <laughs> in this game. So uh, I don't know what the expectation of him was, but it I don't the expectation shouldn't have been to be a 10. Because he's not. Yeah, right. he's never been a 10. Uh, so he started the here as a right back. Yeah, we signed him as a de- like he's listed as a defender. And then we played him as a winger. And then he's a, he's a really good number eight, I think. I think he's a great box to box 
I think he is too. So what's what? How are we supposed to score a goal in that game? I well, I don't know, but we did through through what mechanisms tactically are we going to score create chances? How are we going to create chances? Well, I mean, the, here's the thing: we unless Diego Luna's in that spot, we don't play through a ten. We like we are a, we are a team that crosses the ball a lot, and we play yeah. through the wings. So it almost does. It's almost doesn't even matter because we don't play with a ten at the top of the box who's a facilitator. So it doesn't it almost doesn't matter who you put there in my opinion because we don't we don't play like that anyway. In fact, the goal that we did score uh was a really nice play uh that was um well, I'll 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 get to that in a sec, but there was a penalty that was called before we did score a goal. Mm. And uh it was a um Scott Caldwell fouling. It wasn't Chicharito, was it? It was someone no, else. It was uh, Pooch. Okay, well he fouled Pooch um and he took the penalty Saved by Zach Math, another weird bad penalty from the Galaxy. They, uh, they've taken so many penalties. They've taken like fourteen penalties <laughs> this year. Yeah, they've like taken five 14. or six more than any other team. We've taken and they've, two. They've missed five. Yeah, yeah. Chicharito five saved, which is it's kind of funny to see them cycle through penalty kick takers. But yeah, so he misses, and then eight minutes later, Sergio Cordova scores um a nice header on a cross from aaron herrera after some nice uh link up play on the right side it was a really good move from rsl and when we do that kind of thing um yeah I, like we i I, th- I thought that really illustrated some of our strengths um despite the fact that i don't like that we always are hyper focused on the wing i think that was a good example of when it can be very dangerous and when it's really effective uh and aaron herrera demonstrated um some of his strengths it's crazy that our center back was in that position, <laughs> but this this we're we're basically at the exact place we were a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> in all what we're doing so, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of funny. But anyway, our center back was uh, basically in the eighteen, and he made a nice cross to Sergio Cordova, who who buried his header. It was it was a well worked play, um, really great stuff, and um. Shortly, I mean, it was right before halftime. There were some hectic moments before halftime, and I'm trying to remember. Uh, I, I, oh, it was in the second half when they when they started hitting hitting the bar. But uh, there was a moment that happened at the end, which I think plays a part in what happens in the second half. Um, in in the in the 45th minute, we're in. I think we're in stoppage time at this point. Chicharito goes down in the box very easily, um, and he. Uh, threw himself to the ground. It was it was a huge dive, and he gets a yellow card for for his troubles. You know which what's was funny about this play? What? So I was rewatching it before we re- we recorded tonight, and I I genuinely think like so. Justin Glad leaves a foot in. Yeah, you know, like somewhat naturally. Um, I think if Chicharito had been less uh, dramatic about his dive, I think there's a real chance that he gets a penalty call there. Interesting. Yeah, that um, was, but he throws himself to the ground, right? And that that kind of prompts the call. Yeah, yeah, it was a very. I mean, yeah, it, it was really blew it. Um, and yeah, that it, it was kind of fascinating. And like like I said, I think it plays a big part in like what happens in the second half. But there were some other things in the first half, like Chicharito had that breakaway where he's in behind the defense, and uh, you know we kind of catch up to him, and then he. Uh, plays the ball square for like a uh, a teammate that isn't there. Um, so that was kind of fascinating. 
Um, and a good moment for them that they that they kind of blew. And then second half starts, and uh, where did I go? Um, they, they made some subs. We ended up subbing in uh, Julio for Cordova and Luna for Loffelsund in in the 58th minute, uh, decently early. Um, that was after Loffelsund took um, a couple of hits to the head. Yeah, he <sighs> got hit in the first half really hard in, uh, in the head on like a, a, a like a ball in the air, um, right under the eye, I believe. And then there was another one in, in, in this in the early second half. Um, yeah, I think he took an elbow or a hand to the face at some yeah. point too. But yeah, he got smacked in the face really hard with what was going to be a long cross yeah that did not get there so yeah maybe some concern there and yeah that was that that was concerning and then um i can't remember when exactly it happened but uh ricky pooch just like drilled the crossbar (laughs) from from distance he's such a good player i like i love midfielders that that play like he does i think he's just uh a really really great player um, but there was a moment that happens uh, in in the I think the foul actually took place in the 63rd minute. I don't know. It took them forever to review this or not review it or whatever. This is a, a bit of a hot hot button issue with with RSL Nation, RSL Nash, as it were. Uh, but a really really nice ball is played in uh, that our midfield really just couldn't deal with for some reason. But it gets through about three of our players. And plays Chicharito in behind Marcelo Silva, and Marcelo Silva, in trying to catch back up with him, uh, fouls him in the box, <laughs> and um, it was a, it, it's it's a foul. Uh, he comes across uh, Chicharito's body. Chicharito shielding him off the ball. Marcelo Silva gets his leg, also is kind of doing the arm on the shoulder thing. Not sure which one was more of a foul, but it's pretty clear that you know this one was a foul. Yeah. Uh, the Kevin Stotts, the head was is the on field uh, official, the head head official, correct? Final so, game of his or final refereed game of his, you know, career. Career. Interesting. Okay. I so, think, fun fact: I think I learned today. I think he's the last remaining referee that was refereeing in '96 when the league oh, started. Yeah, that's interesting. If he's not the last, he's one of the the last referees yeah. that's been around since the beginning of the league. So, so. He initially doesn't call this as, as a penalty. And I think he initially hesitant. calls it as a foul for RSL. He calls a foul on Chicharito, which sure. I think is Chicharito falling down and grabbing the ball. Yeah. And so he calls yeah. handball or whatever. So he he calls this um, against LA Galaxy, essentially. And I think Chicharito's dive in the first half probably really influenced this because Chicharito was really kind of just throwing himself around. And so I think he was just like, yeah, no, he gets word from the VAR that he should take a look at it, which he attempts to do. And this is where the big issue comes in, where he goes to the sideline and there's camera footage of the of these uh, center officials going to the there. There's always video of them looking at the video board um, and determining whether or not they had made an error. And he goes over there. The screen never turns on. So all the fans at home are like, he's not even looking at anything. And then a couple seconds later, he you he see him talking on his headset, runs over, gives a penalty to the galaxy. And this was a huge deal to RSL fans because they were like, like he's not he had didn't look at review anything. Clearly, the league's out to get us. They're in bed with pro and they just want the galaxy in the playoffs or whatever. Um, 
it's a weird thing that happened, obviously, but it turns out there's a rule that was recently instated that if if the bo- the video board isn't working for whatever reason, they should take the recommendation or the, the ref has to take the recommendation of the, of the video assistant referee, which he did in this case yep. and was the correct call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's indisputably two <laughs> things that are really important to note about here is like the call was right. We got the call right at the end of the day. And if that's your goal with instituting any kind of video review across all sports, if you're trying to get the right call, however you get there, we got the right call. So that's important to note. The second thing is, like you said, it is a rule. Um, It was instated, I believe, earlier this season. Um, They made a YouTube video about it a couple of weeks, I guess, because Ian had watched that because he watches all this. (laughs) It did happen earlier this season in a game, and I'm going to get this wrong, but I feel like it was between Columbus and somebody. But anyway, the center referee was recommended to go look at it. They went over. The monitor wasn't on. They ended up going with the original call because they couldn't look at it, and that created a big stink for the two teams involved. And Pro issued a ruling that was basically like, this doesn't happen, but if it does, here's how we're going to handle it going forward. So everybody knows, all the teams know, everybody's aware how they're going to handle it going forward is whoever can see the monitor, which is the VAR, is the person that's going to basically make that call. Um, and they're going to go with that person's recommendation because they can see it. Yeah. And like, that's the whole point of VAR. Is there a check on the center the referee? Right. Yeah, it's to get the call right, but they also are a check on the center ref. So. If the center ref gets it wrong, it goes to VAR. The center ref can't correct it himself. They can still correct it. That's what the ruling allows them to do is get the correct decision um, using the VAR that they have. So, yeah, yeah, it it was the right call the whole way was a penalty from the get go. It should have been a penalty. And the fact that Kevin Stott himself couldn't see the monitor to confirm that has no bearing or relevance on whether or not it was the right call. So relax yeah. and I th- just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, it seemed to be it was weird that people were getting upset about. I mean, I, I understand that it was confusing and like you, you see the ref not looking at it and, you know, changing his mind. But, I, you know, it's almost like. Like the, the complaint doesn't make sense to me because I that that was I, that seems like a clear penalty to me. Elliot Fall on the radio today seemed to agree with that. Yeah. Um. So it's just like complaining about. I mean, like, just don't well, give up just, the penalty. Like, I mean, if you don't want to be called for the penalty, don't put yourself in a position that you'd get called for it. And I like Mar- Marcel Marcelo Silva for as good as he's been this year in that game too. Uh, made a stupid decision and gave up a, a penalty. It happens, but like that's. We're not getting the short end of the stick here because they got two penalties. They got two correctly called penalties. And I know we've only had two all year, but there hasn't been a lot of moments this season where I've been like, we got shorted by the refs because in like we deserve penalties. We rarely get the ball in the box in a dangerous positions where we would earn a penalty. You almost never get a call uh, for a penalty if a cross comes in and a and defender and an attacker clash in the air. And someone like falls out like that. That's almost unless never called. Eric as a Holt, I guess, but unless it's Eric Holt <laughs> and like that type of, I mean, that type of thing, that's like been our game plan a lot of the time. So it's like, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I, I'm not here for the ref excuse. I, like that's clearly not the issue we're, we've got. Yeah, yeah. I have thoughts on fans reactions or referees and to be really boring for a second. Like there's, 
no conspiracy with referees. Mm. Referees very much. I mean, there is, and I accept that some people just like. No, I want. just think we should form conspiracies. I'm not saying there is. It's yeah, more okay. fun. There I understand there was that in the there's, NBA. there oh, are sure. fans of this team, every team, I should say, fans of every team um, that think that there's some league conspiracy against your team for some reason, and there's a league conspiracy for the opposing team. And that's been like at the core of every game that we've ever played against any team in LA for the history of RSL. And like, I get that idea, but like also it's not rooted in reality in any way. Yeah. And it's a, it's silly to be the fan. That's like, Oh, the league wants LA in the, like, that's not the case. Yeah. It's clearly especially, not the case. Especially it's a LA. really silly thing to say, because if anyone remembers what happened last season, RSL got into the playoffs because of a completely blown call in the last game of the season for that us. Didn't go to VAR. That, that didn't go to a video assistant referee, uh, referee that should have. And it, it, it was, I, Pretty sure that was a penalty on Justin Glad. And the team that got the short end of the stick on that, I believe, were the LA Galaxy that were eliminated from the playoffs because we made it. Yeah, it's correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the team that got screwed because of we of us getting that call. Oh, I'm yeah. like 90 percent sure. There's just this thing with soccer fans generally where like the referee isn't interested in making the right decision. The referee's interested in in being on TV and, and being the center of attention. And and the referee is favoring the other team or favoring the bigger team or, or you know, the, the team that the league wants to serve. Yeah. Like that whole, it's so tired. And I'm like, I've been sick of it for years, but it's just not based in reality. It was the galaxy. Yeah, confirmed. Nice. We, we we ended on 48 points tied with the Galaxy, but we had 14 wins. They had 13. So we had the tiebreaker because we got the, well, sorry, I'm not going <laughs> to make a joke, <laughs> but I'm not going to be rude. Um, we, uh, yeah. So like, what, what was the, what was the reasoning then? Like, did, uh, did, were, were, was big MLS in our pocket for, uh, for that Sporting Kansas City game? Come on. Yeah. So, so I just like, as a, it, these things ebb and ebb and flow, and, but this was the correct call. So it's not like yeah. we got hard done by by an incorrect call. And if it was if the call was bad, I would feel comfortable saying it was a bad call. But it, I, I don't think it was. If that had happened to RSL on the other end, I would have expected it to be a penalty. So, yeah. Yeah. The bigger issue for me is how easily we let that pass in. Uh, like, yeah, if you on that replay is crazy. Like there are three people around. I don't know who plays that ball in, but uh, it goes there's little pressure on him by that, th- that third defender. And then it goes between the other two. So yeah, just uh, I mean, shout out to it's Ojeda, Oviedo and Caldwell. Just really let that one squeak through. And then uh, Silva takes him out. So, Oh, the, the pooch off the crossbar thing was in like the 75th. Yeah. And that was after the what a, penalty. What a hit that was. And then, uh, Kevin Cabral decided to, it was his game to prove himself as being like one of the worst <laughs> DPs in the league, bro. He, he's so bad. He like, he had so many chances. He had a lot of chances after the 80th minute, uh, including one where he hits the upright on a, I mean, he's in, he's like at the penalty spot away from goal essentially. And he hits, he hits the, uh, upright. Uh, and then, um, and I, we're in stoppage time. There's seven minutes of stoppage. Justin Glad gets two point blank chances. 
inside the six. The first one is just a miraculous save by their keeper, who I probably didn't know much about it. Justin Glad heads it right. I mean, he he heads it really well, but it's right at, at his foot. Um, really lucky save there, I'd say. So Justin Glad, I think, was really unlucky not to score there. And then a couple minutes later, he gets another chance and uh, and skies it. So, um, but then, <laughs> then the last one of the last plays of the game. No, it's uh, the last play. Of the okay, game. the last play. They play a ball long to. Uh, I don't know who this is. Oh, it's uh, Yovel Yovelich or whatever. Yovelich. How do you say? I don't know how, how to pronounce name? it. Uh, how do you? I got it. Number ninety nine on the um, galaxy. Yovel Chich, I think. Okay. Anyway, so he controls the ball really nicely. Plays just a brilliant through ball in for Cabral, who's in behind in behind he, our defense. In in streaking. on goal, he's it's, streaking to goal, and he like forgets the ball, <laughs> and then we clear it. And it's I've like never I. If Sergio Cordova had done that, I would have been livid because that was like the exact type of thing where, I mean, it's just it's just not good enough for like a for any MLS player. But for a designated player, they're number nine. It's just unbelievable. Just really uh, hammering home that he's not good enough, right? Like, no, he's, it's he's so, so bad. He was so bad. He's he, unbelievable. Yeah. So that was that was kind of extraordinary to see a team with like that much attacking talent. Uh, has Kevin Cabral doing that in the 98th minute yeah. to seal the game for the Galaxy. So he misses. Um, he he can't convert. But what this, I mean, it ends in a draw. Uh, really tough result, I think. Justin Glad, I think, was really taking that hard. Um, there were a lot of shots of him after the game. Like really emotional on the field. I think he really felt like he uh, should have put a couple, one, a couple of those away. Aaron Herrera with a passionate post-game um interview and yeah rsl draws la galaxy clinched the playoff with that with that draw and rsl put themselves following the results from the day uh on sunday the day after on sunday rsl puts themselves in a position to win and get in on decision day yet again we're back here again it's not a good thing like I no. know it's an exciting thing and no, it will be a fun game I'm sure and no. whatever the result <laughs> fun will be had by all but uh, no the, a, a win get in is is a bad outcome as a team Well no hold on cuz win and get in is great if there's like three games left in the season Sure win there, and get in not. rules if 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 you're comfortably getting into the postseason but yeah. last game of the season at yeah. home against an opponent that you historically have just been not good against for yeah, a we long time. Won against him since October 2020. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, we're really bad against Portland, and that's the team that we have. Well, let me back up. We're really bad, and also <laughs> we're really bad against Portland. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to not like tie. Have a good game. Like we need to win, which also we haven't done for a long time. So yeah, and Portland on Sunday had played LAFC. Um, if they would have won, they I think they would have clinched playoffs. But they gave up a last minute goal um, and lost two one at home. Uh, that was the first game our, Portland had lost 
since like mid August. Um, they've been on a win, 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 sorry, win, 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 draw. Uh, th- th- those were their last six or whatever. And then they uh, lost to LAFC, the best team in the league who clinched the supporter shield with that win. Um, and now Portland's coming into Salt Lake, uh, <laughs> probably motivated to win. I mean, I got these, those types of things can go either way. Uh, losing coming into a game like this, but I I don't know. It's it's really it's uh, I'm I'm pretty nervous about it. But I mean I don't know. I yeah, Portland I've got a lot of to feelings. give to give Portland's playoff picture situation. Um, if they tie, then they're in. I think they lock up a spot. Mm-hmm. If they lose to RSL and other results go against them, I think that they are out. Yeah, I think I think that they need other results Minnesota. to go against them um, in order for them to yeah. go out. So there's situations where if they lose, they're still in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, how? If yeah. Like if if Vancouver, I mean, essentially, what what's not going to happen is the Portland Timbers are going to be okay with a loss in this game because there's too many things like um, RSL or Vancouver, for instance, winning their games that day are two things that can knock them out of the playoffs. So yeah. Portland loses. They can't be counting on the Vancouver Whitecaps to to lose as well. Um, because I, I'm, if I if I remember correctly, Vancouver plays Minnesota. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Another which, like, I mean, barn burner. Which yeah, is we're, at, we're at the... Yeah, Van, uh, Minnesota are so bad. They they lost to Bossy, uh season-ending injury, and their defense is a nightmare. And uh, Minnesota... And this game is in it's the game is in Minnesota, but Minnesota haven't won a game in I don't I don't know how long. They're worse than we are, arguably. And Vancouver has won their last three against LA, Seattle, and Austin. They're good. <laughs> They're good now. They're and good right now. so Portland needs to win or draw. Uh so yeah, I don't know. It's it's Jeez, gonna be <sighs> And a, a win could give them a chance at a home playoff game. And I know like I mean, so we should talk about it at least a, a little bit. Uh, sure. So the the Yates report came out uh, detailing basically a decade of abuse in NWSL and U.S. soccer, uh, particularly in international women's soccer. And uh, it's bad. And Portland looks even worse than they've looked for the last three years of this. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh Actively covering things up, uh, actively hampering investigations. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to. I'm not. And in no way am I downplaying the Deloitte Hansen stuff. This, what's what the Timbers have been up to over the last the Timbers leadership ownership. It, uh, what they've been up to for the last couple of years has been arguably worse. Uh, there's been, um, there's been abuse. There's been cover up of abuse. I'm, think it's arguably worse like, okay, okay it's worse I, I just, it's it's like it's worse yeah i don't know how they maintain how Merritt paulson maintains ownership um of the club i just don't i, I don't understand i think the only what you're talking about the timbers or timbers the timbers and, and well the timbers and the thorns like he, he yeah. shouldn't be allowed to uh to have either because i will remind everyone that not only is this this whole thing that came out 
uh, just awful and disgusting. And people should read the report if they're interested, but it's, and it's really terrible. And I think people should also listen to the way uh, Becky Sauerbrunn, was she interviewed mm-hmm. today? The yeah, way she was she, talking yep. about it, essentially saying, I don't like, not only do I not feel safe, I wouldn't say that it's safe for anyone on this team uh, with current leadership in place. But Andy Polo, a player on the Timbers, uh, was known to have uh, domestically abused his partner. And uh, the Timbers ran cover for that whole thing. So and yeah. paid her off or attempted to. So and then it happened again. It, Yeah. So and then that's when that whole thing came out. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. Like it happened once and we found out later, like it happened. They covered it up. It <clears> happened <throat> again. And then. Yeah, the Timbers yeah. and the Thorns organization, specifically those uh, three guys that are named constantly, uh, Merritt Polson, Mike Golub, and Gavin Wilkinson, who are three guys who have just been around both organizations for years and years, are, I mean, you don't have to read the report um, if you don't want to, because I haven't read the report because it's, it's diabolical, to be honest. Um, just trust me when I say that, like, it's incredibly bad. It's a bad yeah. look for the entirety of the women's soccer landscape from youth to professional and international in this country. Um, it's and, and it's yeah. And the Portland Timbers and their ownership play a, a pretty central role in a lot of that. It's crazy, man. I, I they ha- like they have to be sold. So what what's what sucks here is that what it's going to come down to is how many sponsors probably threatened to pull out, right? Like that's well, kind of what happened with like the NBA and Robert Sarver, the uh, uh, owner of the Phoenix Suns, where um, he was documented of having said the N word like a bazillion times and wouldn't stop. And the NBA was like, uh, yeah, he has to go on suspension for a year, but like, there are different rules for owners than there are for like employees. So like, that's the extent of what we can do. And then like all their sponsors were like, yeah, no, we're not doing business with them anymore. And then he's like, okay, I'm selling now. So then the NBA kind of looks stupid because they weren't the ones that actually maintain any sort of rule. So it's like, you'd have to think, I mean, I would like to see MLS step in here uh, and NWSL step in before that has to happen before it's just like very clearly i mean it's all about that type of stuff anyway but it's like it would like to see them be proactive about it like i feel like they were with deloitte i don't know if it was just because it was 2020 and there was a big like yeah and uh, deloitte said he'd sell and i i don't think they had to force his hand yeah that's Um, true and then they took over the sale right but yeah yeah. i think that makes a big difference but it seemed like i mean there's him saying he'd sell was probably i mean they, they, uh, pro- they have probably had the, the a vote of confidence among owners at that time. And in 2020, really just, he, he couldn't have timed that worse based on like what was taking place that year. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I felt like, I mean, they, he didn't have a choice. The league wouldn't have had a choice either just because there was just way too much, but like, this is the same type of like, uh, this is the same type of like all you know th- this reporting coming out all at the same time there's a i think there's a documentary that's coming out or like a oh, i gotta find the video um essentially uh talking about or going through all of this i'll find when i find it i'll, I'll mention it but yeah there's also the um i mean paulson and co did release a statement today um and in that statement they kind of made it clear that 
so Sally Yates was, did her own investigation. Um, and the report that was released today obviously <clears throat> was uh, from that. Um, but the NWSL, independent of Sally Yates' investigation, is also conducting its own investigation into all the same stuff that Sally Yates was doing. And that report is supposed to be released in November. Um, is a schedule for that. Yeah. And Merritt Paulson, basically today, he, or the team, I guess, announced that those three, uh, Paulson, Golub, and Wilkinson, are stepping away from any Portland Thorns activities or decisions, which is really, I mean, it's just not good enough. But they did say that they're not really allowed to talk about or say anything else or do anything else until that investigation is complete. Yeah. And that obviously is like to protect themselves. Um, but I, I think that's what's playing a big part in the league and everybody not stepping in and immediately like saying sure. you need to sell the team yeah. because the people who are doing that are still investigating it. So it's, yeah. it's important to note that like that is still going on. There's still the window is open for the league to come out and say, we've done our own investigation that corroborates all of this stuff. And now you have to sell the team. It's just like if, if it doesn't end with that, then it's just, it's an abject failure. So oh, yeah. E- E60, which is ESPN's like, documentary thing i don't know um on espn plus they have something that's called truth be told the fight for women's professional soccer and they uh it's basically like a video documentary about like that is very closely related to that that report that that tells all the stories that's that's what's been going on in uh nwsl but specifically in uh this league and i mean yeah it's it's in, it's so it's so gross man i really it's it's i hate it i hate it so much and not to distill it back to it's going to be a difficult game for the for the timbers because they have off field stuff going on because that that doesn't quite get to the heart of it right right Um, but it's also a reality that uh off field things like this do affect teams sure and we saw that with rsl uh 2020 was i mean there are a lot of reasons the 2020 season was bad I can't imagine that helped. No, and it it never does. Um, yeah, I, I want to stay away f- as far away as we can from being like, so we've got a chance to win because yeah. Timbers is like, <laughs> yeah. that's not at all why we're bringing this up. Um, yeah, just this whole situation is... is. I mean, when it comes to like Becky Sauerbrunn in particular, I mean, she straight up, she was saying the players are not well. We're very yeah. angry. It doesn't matter. And somebody asked if she feels safe on the team. And she said, it doesn't matter if I feel safe. Everyone's not 100% safe. And that's not good enough. Everyone should be safe and free of abuse. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, awful. it's hard to overstate how bad it has been allowed to get. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's very easy to say that there, there aren't any fans that are satisfied with the status quo. Yeah. on that side of things and stuff needs to change. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's not, not in the way that it affects the result, but it affects the way we think about the game. Yeah. The way we think about yeah. these two teams and honestly, the similar course these two teams have been on in that regard. Uh, and, and ourselves presents sure. like a, a little view of what, what can change. And that's not to say like our ownership is amazing and everything's perfect and we're so happy and we're, yeah, that's not the point. Uh, but the point is that, you know, 
that action taken can lead to like a better situation. Yeah. yeah. So here's hoping. Agree. Whoever, whoever wins. Uh, yeah. I was gonna say we lose, but that's not true. That was, <laughs> was that a, was that an alien alien versus predator? Tra- tagline? So. Did we, uh, yeah. Uh, did we finish talking about the galaxy game? I mean, I don't know what else we really want to There's mention. There's really there. not much more to talk it, about. It was kind of just like kind of the same old, we had some good chances, uh, but like, I don't know. I we felt like it was a pretty fair result. Uh, Galaxy, I, I mean, it could be argued uh, at the end there. It could have gone either way, of course. Yeah. Uh, but it my wasn't big, like, I don't know. My big takeaway from the game um, before we got there with like when the lineups were announced was like, I was thinking we might learn something about the team in that game. We didn't. We we, we didn't yeah, learn anything. It, it was the same. Like It was the most predictable, predictable thing. Yeah. Like our offense is predictable, our defense is predictable. Um, a draw was predictable. Like it's just, and like playing through our midfield is is too easy sometimes. Like I mean, yeah, and it turns out it's not just Pablo Ruiz, right? Yeah, no, and like we've seen Pablo Ruiz very dramatically get dribbled by, but like we don't have a good. I mean, sometimes you just need like a number six on your team, and we don't have that. And uh. You know, oh, there's he, been so many times over the last couple of years. Oh, is this a Gustavo Cuellar update? Oh, no, <laughs> sorry. You're rubbing been. your hands excitedly. So uh, no, this is not. A, I mean, yeah, I'm excited to talk about these stats. Um, the three players who have the highest per 90 dribbled passed on this team. Uh, one is Paulo Ruiz. We've talked about that. That's not a secret. 2.21 times per game. Guess the number two. Dribbled past. Hold is on. Is it Jasper? Yeah. Is it, yeah. Okay, I was going to say it's either Jasper or Cobble. I mean, or like your guesses. at some level, it kind of makes, I mean, it makes sense sometimes when, you know, it's your midfield players. But like, you know, <laughs> we've converted Jasper into a midfielder. Yeah. Um, and so like, I, and, you know, I'd I only have to guess number three. Miram. No. No, it's going to be I, another midfielder. He only has 2.990s played oh is it wait it's not scott no wait he only the player that we're trying to guess wait, is it a defender or a midfielder it's another midfielder and he played in this galaxy game oh hey, he started. no that's not fair is yeah, it it's a okay. oh, great dribbled past 1.72 times per game it's got to be like i don't want to analyze this team it's hard. Like you it, can't analyze hard. this team no, properly. I, I, I mean, I don't even want to like look at the situations and be like, <laughs> what could be leading to that? Cause like the season's over. I don't care anymore. <laughs> We're, I'm done analyzing it. But <laughs> that said, is I'm it just, just that like our focus is on the press and like a press? We don't get press more than, sometimes? we don't press more than other teams. Yeah. Like <sighs> overall, then, then I don't care why we get dribbled past. No, I mean, but there's something there, right? There. No, I, I like. Sorry, I'm not trying to like rain on your parade or like anything like that. I just first time for everything. I just <laughs> am so completely. I mean, I tweeted it like I think when we after we scored the goal. Like, I'm just so emotionally ready for the season to be over, and I'm ready to like do that episode where we go through the roster and we start yeah. talking about who's not going to be here next year, and that's what I'm excited about with this team. Yeah, I'm. Last year was a as a barrel of laughs. It was so much fun getting to the playoffs, the circumstances under which we got to the playoffs, 
and like after the season we had and then we got to the playoffs and we won and it was a miracle and then we, and then the seattle game and then and we then... beat seattle which was the funniest thing to ever happen in the history of the team and then we got to the western conference fun- and, well, like, and then that- we played a really good game against kansas city where i thought we'd, we we actually played well against yeah like the tired that, that whole end of the season was so much fun and like reignited my love of this team to a point that like anyway this season has destroyed all that goodwill that was built up <laughs> from that playoff run and sure. i just i'm i'm over it for so many reasons like we just we like i said we didn't learn anything from this game we yeah. haven't learned anything from the previous 10 games we have the same coach trying the same dumb ideas that obviously don't work aren't gonna work and like it's it's the same boring team with different players, the same boring tactics with different players. It's it, it just, it never ever works. And I'm just over it. And please, can we just lose to Portland three, nothing and <laughs> go into the off season. And so I don't yeah. have to like worry about analyzing or talking about these games anymore. Like no, you're going to suffer, Trevor. We're going to win. You're going to suffer. It's going to be final great. again. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I felt like, you know, I felt the 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 death knell after the DC United game. Like that was when I really realized that like there's yeah. there's nothing here this season. And I like, yeah. you know, maybe I'll get miraculously proved wrong over the next month. But like I, 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 you know, we're not I don't, we're not going to win that win the cup this year. And I don't know how anyone can look at the second half of the season and be okay with what's what's happened, regardless of what happens on Sunday. So we we win, we make the playoffs. I mean, it's going to take another miracle to get us past the first round, I think. But assuming we do win and make the playoffs, like that doesn't change anything that's happened over the last since May. Man, we've been so bad this entire summer. Like I I don't. <laughs> it's, and it's it's again it's summer, weird. right? Like we're getting the games in sooner so that we can start playoffs sooner and right yeah yeah so i mean like i said i feel like i've already accepted what the season was and i think we made peace with it over the last couple episodes of the show yeah um i will be there on sunday which is my birthday oh happy birthday on sunday thank you happy birthday (laughs) and i'm excited to eat tacos and hang out with my friends um i don't think the taco cart will be there so we may need to make a taco she was going to be there the last uh game of the i don't think so what makes you say uh, that? Uh, I talked to her the last game, game and it sounded like it was not certain. Mm, <sighs> okay. Well, so, we'll try to figure it out. And yeah, case, we can get some pregame tacos somewhere else. Yeah, we yeah, can. I'll, I'll, totally make, uh, I'll make bacon wrapped hot dogs for you guys. Oh, <laughs> oh there we go. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in any case, I'm excited to hang out with friends. I'm excited to have it last. I mean, it's. I'm assuming the weather will be good that day. It's looking like it's just sunny and warm forever now. Um but yeah, so that'll be good. I'm looking forward to the to the the day itself. Um, but I've made pay, peace with this season, regardless of the outcome, because I think it's an, it's incredibly clear to me that a lot of things need to change for this to be a successful team moving forward. And I think, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, Elliot was on ESPN 700 today, seemed to kind of. I mean, I don't know, Matt, what do you what do you what what do you take away from his uh, interview today? Not a lot, honestly. I'm curious what you took away. I mean, he he had a couple things that were like, I mean, trying to establish the fact that, you know, this ownership uh, has goals of winning a championship. 
yeah, and wants no, yeah, to be competing for trophies, which I, I mean, that's reassuring to hear, but I think it's time that we start seeing uh, investment in making that happen. And I thought, I, Do you want I, the full quote? Sure. We will look at the season as a failure in some respects if we do not make the playoffs. We need to go out and accomplish that goal. That's one of the goals on the checklist every every year. It's not the top goal, but it's one of the goals. I can tell you definitively that ownership wants to compete as well. They want to compete for trophies, for championships. They know the first step to that is being in the playoffs. There are no ultimatums right now, but it's very clear. We are all focused on one thing. Yeah, so, you know, I guess that's true. I, I hope that's true. But I mean, like, I mean, from the activity we saw in the last two transfer windows, I don't know if that's if that's being backed up by those type of decisions. And the other problem is that I just don't believe anyone who th- who will say that Pablo is the coach of the future for this organization. So, uh, you know, I. And like, I just, there's, I, there's just no way I'm not like, there's the lack of consistency. It's clear. He's just kind of throwing things at the wall and see what's and seeing what sticks. Nothing has really so far. He's tinkered with the team so much and caused what I, what I believe to be. Yeah. Tinkered. That's right. With the team so much that I feel like he's effectively uh, ruined Saverino's form. And it's pretty clear and reflective. I didn't, I failed to mention this when we were talking about the game, but Saverino looks bad right now. Like he had a really good chance in the box where he skied a volley where he was wide open uh, in the corner of the six. Like, yeah. Um, um, there's just, another one I, I put in Slack in the thread that said posting some screenshots for later in a thread here. Oh, yes. I only posted one screenshot. Okay. But I think it's relevant as we talk about Saverino. And it's him on a breakaway, and I'll post this on Twitter. Oh, uh, yeah. He's on a breakaway. There is one player in front of him. Uh, Cordova is making a great run. He's in behind yeah. with a good, with a simple pass. With a slightly longer pass, we've got Jasper Leffelsen also totally in behind. It's a three-on-one, and Savarino's drawn the defenders toward, to him. What do you, How did he blow this chance? He just he kept dribbling and lost the ball. That is, and I it, mean, it's uncharacteristic, and that's the yeah. thing. Like, Saverino looks like a shell of who he is. Yeah, and it's he's it seemed to be reflected in his attitude in certain games uh, recently, which is a, just such a bummer because I think he came in so lively and was such a good like a bright spot for us. And of course, I mean, he's still going to end the season as being one of our most productive players. But it's like we're not getting the most out of him right now by any means. Um, we're playing him out of position. And it seems to be affecting his play ever since we started playing him as a second striker instead of his actual position. It's his production's gone downhill and we've been playing really like what are how do you look at the the switching of the formation, all that and like look at our results over the last seven again, four games since the end of May. I think that's like 17 games. Uh, we've won four of them, I think now slightly more. Well, Is it 18. Uh, I think Atlas might make it 18, but. The last time uh, we've won four games since May. And I mean, like, I just don't know how you can look at like what's been taking place and being like, yeah, we need to keep playing Sava at striker. Like clearly he's just crushing it, which he's not, unfortunately. So, um, 
yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, uh, it's really frustrating that I feel like we've kind of tinkered our way into a mess and now we're just back to the three, five, two out of nowhere, despite having a lot of success with the four, four, two before the summer. Um, I mean, there were times in the summer when that wasn't working either, but now it just seems like we're just have no idea what we're doing. So yeah, well, um, Pablo Mascarini told Tom Hackett the other day, uh, yesterday, maybe probably yesterday, uh, that one of the things that he feels strongly about is, uh, if it's not working, like, well, well how did he put it? it? It was something about, you know, if it's not working, then you have to change it. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's, it's such, it's a read that's entirely results-based. Yeah. And like, as fans, of course, that's, that's what we will look at, uh, as a fan base writ large. Sure. Um, but more like more acutely, a coach should be able to see what things are working, make adjustments, uh, not enact wholesale position changes that don't have a, like a different outcome. Like we haven't changed the general way we play. We've just moved players around. Yeah, we've we've tinkered with but the pieces. We also like and I'm talking about Herrera specifically here and. People are going to say this is a bad example because he got he finally got an assist, but and he's he's gotten a few that, over the last handful of games. Stands so. at putting Herrera as a center back in a back three is like not the way to use Herrera. Yeah. So if we're changing it because it doesn't work, and that's what we change it to, we already know that that works even worse. I mean, over like long term. I mean, yeah, we saw how that that worked last season where it essentially almost cost us the playoffs. Um, And then now we're kind of just moving back into that habit. And I'm not entirely clear why. Oh, it's because we need to change something because it wasn't working. And that's the only solution is to change it. It's geez, Louise. Um, (laughs) This is my favorite. Fired up Trevor. I'm so sick of Pablo. I know. Um, It's really tough to listen to sometimes. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't, I don't know. Like there's, you know, Tom wrote that article saying like the pressure is going to be, is on Elliot in front office or whatever. The pressure is absolutely on Pablo as well, but it's on all of them because what they've created together uh, over these last couple of years is just a mess. The players we've signed are not upgrades at any position. I think, I think Cordova appears to be an upgrade over the current version of Rubio Rubin and Bobby Wood. I believe is on hospice care at this point. Um, and I'm not sure like at need we play Oviedo. We're just playing him like wherever we've played him at right wing. We play him. Uh, um, they're playing and, it and like his, fullback. Yeah. And his, yeah, he's not, he's not playing fullback, uh, which is his natural position, but whatever. Um, oh, I think Ohate is good. I don't think he's um, like fantastically he's better than, than the guys we have. And the fact that we're playing him with Caldwell of all people is very confusing to me. Cause I would assume that if Caldwell would be the one being replaced by someone like Ojeda, not replacing Pablo Ruiz or Jasper Loffelson. I think Ojeda uh, and Loffelson are the same player, just with different pedigrees. I think so too. They're very similar. Um, I, I, I think they're, and yeah, that's a I, good player to have on your team. I, I think so too. I, I, re, I really like both of them. And I, and, but like we haven't, you know, we're talking about, we, we just signed a guy that's basically just as good as the like third round draft pick we got out of Pittsburgh, like as, and we signed as a defender in the midfield. Like that's the type of midfielder we're signing as someone who's equal to the guy we, 
it's a surprise right yeah so that's weird we're barely playing luna um and we're not giving time to the young players that we could be developing instead we yeah have have an aging core and it's just it's all over the place so i i don't think the front i mean we talk about this many episodes through the season the front office and oh danny musovsky is also just like probably useless don't worry about it i'm you know i'm like he's definitely a real player that (laughs) exists and we signed him and we're not using i i I think i always mentioned this on rsl sunday but like we're not using Julio super effectively until it's just like, okay, time to bomb a ball and hope you run onto it. Um, I think he's a better player than that. We've seen him play uh, better than that. I think Austin was a good example. And then like, he's more of, I think he'd be a more effective second striker than Savarino right now. And we could play Savarino in his actual position. Like there's an idea. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's so, con- it's so convoluted. You're seeing, I, uh, you know, it's not just us that think this. I've seen other people that are tend to be a bit more favorable, uh, have more favorable opinions of the club mention that it's just been too much, too much tinkering with the with the squad. And I think we're seeing the result of it because we cannot string together results at all. Uh, it's been, no, we're, str- we're stringing together results. Don't worry about that. We cannot string together positive results. <laughs> we've been we've, stringing we've together been a lot of consistent red for the last three or four months. A lot of red, a lot of gray. <laughs> if you're looking at FOTMOB, but yeah. Anyway, it's yeah. just it's it's frustrating, and I don't, you know, until I, I I just don't believe we have the 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 right people for the future, and I don't know how to effectively evaluate Elliot Fall really at this point. Um, I mean. I just don't know. Like I, I yeah. can't. It's kind of. It, it's. I, I don't think Pablo deserves all of the, all of the blame here. But like, the whole thing is a mess. Yeah. Well, right that's now. that's the thing. Speaking of Tom, Tom's article, he did specifically mention Elliot Fall would be under pressure, and like that's not wrong. That's true. Elliot Fall would be under pressure, but you gotta, like you've been saying, there's there's multiple parts to this stew that is RSL, and you can examine those different parts as part of the whole, but also as individuals, you know, like Elliot fall didn't put together a brilliant roster for this team. And that, that should fall on him, but that doesn't mean that Pablo and the players are suddenly free from any responsibility to do their best. Pablo. I don't think, I don't think it's unfair to say Pablo has not gotten the best out of this roster. He's gotten the very middle out of this roster. This roster we've been saying all year is not a great roster, and I don't think that's a surprise to anybody to hear. And I don't think that's really a a thing that people can disagree with. It's not a good roster. This is not a championship roster. It never has been. That's Elliot's (laughs) problem. Yeah, Pablo's problem is trying to get the best out of this roster. He hasn't. I don't. I mean, correct. We're playing players out of position all over the place. We're trying to make things work that like anybody can tell you probably wouldn't work and he's they don't work like it's he's trying all these things and none of them are working and his solution to things not working is to try different things instead of like work on what you i don't know i'm not the coach but the point is pablo isn't doing a good job either the players also have their responsibility to do whatever the coach is asking them to do and some of those players are doing a pretty good job of doing what the coach is asking him to do, even if what the coach is asking him to do doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to us or isn't really an effective game plan, whatever. 
there are players that have performed well this season despite all of the things going on around them. Justin Glad, Marcelo Silver, two that come to mind real quickly. We've had a pretty good defense all season yeah. despite all the changes and despite having a goofy or bad midfield, depending on how you look at it. More shutouts than any Western Conference team. Yeah, despite playing with a goalkeeper who at times is really bad at decision-making, um, despite playing a combo of a three-man back line, a five-man back line, and a four-man back line throughout the season, we've had a pretty good defense. And so those players do deserve praise for being good players. Um, but yeah, there's just, you can still look at individual components and say that the pressure is on all of those components. The yeah. pressure had better be on Pablo. The pressure had better be on a lot of the players. Um, in addition to Elliot Fall, it's it's this this season is not falling and should not fall on one person because there's been a lot of failures across the board. Yeah, one interesting thing for me, just to tack on a little bit there, uh, of things that have been just kind of weird, uh, and and I think we can look at some causes directly for this, uh, is I'm going to post this in Slack, actually, for you. Okay. Uh, so it's the rolling the player minutes chart for RSL. Yeah. Um, and I, I posted this on Twitter the other day and said it, you know, it tells a whole story. You can find this on the forum guide. Um, and I, I think it tells a really interesting story as you get to players like Jesper Leffelsen, who starts playing a lot of minutes in the middle of the season. And then suddenly those minutes start ratcheting down and he looks more and more exhausted. You can look at uh, the other one of the others, Justin Miram. The same yeah, thing. Yeah, is interesting. Plays a lot of minutes. He's going ninety minutes through most of the summer. And yeah, then we've done a similar trajectory with uh, Cordova as well. As yeah, exactly. Uh, Pablo Ruiz, a player that was a value, you know, played a lot. He missed a couple games, and then he start his minutes started ratcheting down, and now he's not starting. And that's not to say, like, why aren't we starting Pablo Ruiz? Like, I, I understand you bench players sometimes. Yeah. But it's this trend where I think we've overworked players. We didn't rotate in the summer when matches were coming fast and furious and we're paying the price now. And I think that explains so much. Like, you look at Scott Caldwell's minutes through the late summer and he's not playing any minutes. And now he's starting to play minutes because players need replacements. Yeah. Um, you look at Cordova and again, like he's playing largely, you know, lots of minutes and then they ratchet down and then Rubia Rubin gets substitute minutes. Uh, and it, it kind of lays mm -hmm. out like what's going on with this team. And for me, it's a pretty simple one. I think he, we've overused players. Uh, throughout like difficult stretches and sometimes that led to results and sometimes that didn't uh and i think we're we're seeing the dividends and they're not good well i guess dividends are always good right anti-dividends we're seeing we're seeing the <laughs> results yeah we're definitely seeing results right trevor mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's uh we're stringing yeah, together fascinating so we yeah we play portland it's when and we're in and according to Elliot, we can look back at some not failures or failures, depending on the result. 
Um, but I mean, the second half of the season has been a big, big old failure. If you ask yeah, me. Yeah. Um, so I like, I will be in the stadium. I will be cheering and yelling and doing all of that. Uh, but I, you know, I've made my peace, uh, on this season and I just, I'm really hoping for, for more. I can't really get up, uh, the impassioned energy I had after the DC game. That was, that was the height of it. But, uh, Alex had a good rant on, on their show the other day. Yeah. Go listen um, to RSL Sundays on any regular account. Yeah. Uh, and it's it, it, basically the gist of it was like, you know, if you, you, you talk about, Things being important, you talk about the Open Cup, you talk about, oh, like we are currently, you know, second in the supporter shield, like, haha, MLS, look at you guys for doubting us or whatever. Um, you know, why why talk about these things if if they, if that's not if that's not something if that's not a standard you're gonna ever hold yourself to? And my big thing after that DC United game was that like it it doesn't feel like there is a correct standard for us to be that's like that's like made clear about like what the of what we should expect as fans and that's frustrating to see because they're that's not i don't think that's that's unfair to ask because that was something that we had before when uh rio tinto stadium was quite the quite the fortress um and uh, you know after that dc united game it was like oh well we played well and so like we should be happy about that and um i i completely disagree with that i think that there should be standards that you can just hold yourself to as a club and as a, as an organization. And I think we've uh, not done that as of late. And I would like for that to just be known that, um, you know, certain things just aren't good enough, regardless of quote, how you played on the day or whatever. Uh, it's just not good enough. And yeah, anyway, yeah. I want it team, to be good enough again. The team has, kind of fluctuated in their opinion on what is good enough and what is the expectation and what is like acceptable like all season that it's it's kind of floated like the priority was the u.s open cup game until we lost and then it wasn't really that big a deal or actually i should say until it came time to put out the lineup and then it wasn't really that big of a deal and what was really more important was the two mls matches on the on the outside of it um but yeah the team comes out and says this is what we're shooting for and we're a championship caliber team and then we we get this product for the rest of the for the second half of the season and it's bad and we call it as bad and people think that like we're the bad guys for doing that or not like we specifically but people who view that as a negative are I don't know. I'm I'm getting in the weeds here. No, I know what you mean like it's like it's being so overly, frustrating yeah. to have the team establish a standard and say this is what we're doing and then basically be gaslit when that's not achieved and they go oh well what did you expect like we played hard and really that's all you can ask for (laughs) and like as a fan especially the last couple years like i i don't know if it's actually a utah fan thing but i feel like it's a utah fan thing to just be happy with with hustle and just be like we're a small market team we're never going to win a championship so we got to root for what we can root for and it's not always going to be a win and like that this season has shown me more than any other that that's not good enough that's not acceptable i'm not going to like sit here and and accept that from teams like we should be demanding wins we should be demanding results and we should be not happy when results are bad when the team plays bad and i don't think that's being a problematic i don't think that's being a bad fan that's just 
it's part I'm of not, being a fan, right? Yeah, it's it's Caring. being a fan, and I, I don't want to say that like you shouldn't be happy with with good effort or anything like that. Like, be a fan, however you want to be a fan, but asking the team to win games, like that's why you play the game is to win the game. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't don't be the, the the coach that comes out and says things like. Yeah, this is a must-win game, and then when we don't win, go out and say no, everything's fine. Like, yeah, that is such a good example. That's the most frustrating thing of this for this whole season is that's happened a couple of times. We these last eleven games, I think, no, last, I think it was eight or nine games ago. Pablo came out and said every game from here on out's a playoff game, and we've been. Oh, awful. Is that the twelve-point game? part yeah nine, the nine point game no, yeah no, no. that, was, oh, that no. was two or three games ago i think is when he said I that mean, it was we've heard, heard that he for said, a while now that's like every game from here on out's a playoff game and yeah, yeah that's such a good example of like okay well then i'm really mad that we didn't seem to treat that one like a playoff game during or after when we talked about this game like yeah is it, that is a great example it's like tell me you can't you can't say something is exactly is is that and then be mad when people are like okay well why didn't you play like it was <laughs> or yeah. set why did why why wasn't the game yeah it's yeah alex it's, said, it's alex went on a rant and he was much more articulate than i've been all year and you great go listen to their podcast because it's a good podcast as well but also he's on the rsl show right no, he's on uh, RSL Sundays. Yes, you remember the joke? The joke he said I was from the RSL show. I remember. No. Remember he accidentally said, "Sorry, you just it. stole my dad's joke." From a good joke. Last year. Sorry, sorry. Guys. Uh, sorry. Wow. I apologize to my my family. fans, family. my family. There you go. And to to my owner. And to- <laughs> anyway, yeah, go listen to go listen to that podcast. Um, Alex had a really good rant about it, but I'm over this team this year. Go RSL, go beat Portland, but also can't wait for the offseason. All right. So here's what Pablo Mastroini said. It was August 23rd. He said that every Western Conference match from here on out is a nine-point game, and the Eastern Conference ones are six-point games. Unbelievable. (laughs) August 23rd, he said that? Yeah. Okay, so that was what I'm thinking of, because that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games ago, there was, or sorry, seven games ago, there was eight games left in the season. Yeah. And here we are. That was August 23rd. We We then went on to tie the game against Dallas. We did beat Minnesota. That was our last win. And then we lost, tied, lost, 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 tied. Great. One of those, that last loss was Atlas, so maybe that doesn't actually count, but whatever. Yeah, I don't think it counts. All right, should we go to bed? We should go to bed. bed. I actually don't work the rest of the week. I have this whole week off. Oh, so pre-birth week. Thank you, Uh, and I'm gonna go enjoy some Utah fall colors tomorrow. I think it's a good idea. It is. uh, It is that week of the year where all the colors are gonna be out and bright. So good planning. I'm gonna go do the same thing this weekend before the RSL game. I encourage you all to do that too. Need to do the same thing. Yeah. We live in the most beautiful state in the country and it's the best time of year. I mean, have you been to Ohio though? I have lived in Ohio for several months. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, everyone, thank you for tuning in. This is probably a long one. We had to stop the episode and restart it. Two and a half hours. Nice. Yeah, give or take. 
Okay, well, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Another scene. <laughs> and we uh, we end like we nearly began. <laughs> Good timing. Okay. All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>